Nice bite, princess. Drop it. Duncan and both come correct. The last episode was three hours long, and that was a single episode. Oh, it, was the first time. it was the first time, though. It's the first time. It was the first time we've ever recorded. We were both very yep, it was excited. the first time. And everyone knows in every act, including sex, the first time is the longest. And it gets progressively shorter after that, doesn't it? What? No. <laughs> what a terrible thing to say. <laughs> Isn't that, is that just me then? Yes. And I've I feel... I, I've got that deed done de- to like two pumps and a squat. I mean, that's... I just, I feel so bad for your wife now. It's efficient. She's got more time to do other things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, look for a man that will satisfy her. <laughs> I mean, no, if... I, I mean, I still do, I still do my business, Bo. <laughs> Desnatch, you know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. I get it. You know what I'm saying. You can read between the thin lines. Folks. Welcome to Duncan oh, and Bo. Son of a bitch. Come son correct. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Guess what technology we have now, Duncan? Me starting the show when you're unprepared. It's <laughs> that, that has never happened before. I have always been prepared. Yeah. So, uh, hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Uh, it is Hi. Duncan and Bo. Come correct. Um, a, a, in this uh, incarnation, it is uh, Duncan and Bo uh, slash fiction is the name of it um one because duncan and i are both uh big big fans of slash fiction yes and that's true right and also uh duncan because Mm -hmm. we are talking about the show slasher which uh i'm not sure if you're familiar i know you don't normally watch the show um but yeah just i just show up to talk about that right so (laughs) exactly duncan um so uh at any rate what uh what is good about uh slasher is that it is it is tremendously dumb and yes and, dumb is an understatement bo rans though yeah so we've been having some fun with it uh also uh this is the the first season we're doing live uh on camera in front of an audience, if you will, that's always mm-hmm. been uh, a dream of mine is to do uh, a television program in front of a live studio audience. Um, you seem you seem uh, sur- delighted by this idea. I, I mean, I, I just love this idea that this was this is a master plan, and nothing was going to stop us. Not a giant body of water, uh, different time zones, or anything else. We've made it. All it took was a pandemic and. Mm-hmm our ability to have extra time to work out the technology. That's right. When I That's say right. we, I mean you. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, uh, but the technology is super fun, Duncan. I really like it. Um, so I like it a lot. I, I like it a lot. Uh, also, speaking of the technology, Duncan, mm-hmm. we have, if you're watching on any of the platforms, uh, if you're listening to this on audio, first of all, God bless you and thank you. Um, yes. Uh, second of all, if you would like to watch the show, uh, you can you can kind of follow Legion Podcasts on Facebook or Twitter or uh, Teapot's Cast on Facebook or Twitter, and you'll see the schedule. Like, we scheduled these in advance, and you'll know. Um, mm-hmm. If you're watching now, uh, you will be able, if you, are, if you are chatting in any of those chat rooms, um, we will see that. Uh, knock on wood. 
And so when we get done talking about the movies we're watching, if anyone has any Ask Duncan and Bo style questions, Uh you can throw them into the chat right now. And when we come to uh, the, the, that middle segment before we start talking about slasher, uh, sorry if I'm boring you, Duncan. Um, but, (laughs) uh, but at that point we'll, uh, we'll do, we'll pick out a couple of questions and do an ask Duncan and Bo. And if not, we'll just keep moving on, whatever, you know, moving on to move on. Right. If most of our audience are, are misanthropes and I suspect they are, (laughs) Uh, then maybe we, there, there's nobody chatting. I know there are people watching cause I can see the stats on that, but, uh, whether or not they talk to one another, it's uh, anybody's guest. I mean, if COVID has taught me anything is that my already very low perception of how important like social, social interaction was, uh, is even less now. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I learned that I truly am a misanthrope. Uh, that was the big lesson of the pandemic for me. Um, but, uh, anyway, I, I, learned you know. I can masturbate with my bad hand really well. Wow. Uh, okay. I, I mean, I just didn't realize we were going to do masturbation stories right it's, off it's the top. Well, I don't know. Technically the watershed's nine o'clock in the UK and it's just past seven. But yeah. Uh, 1 I, PM I here in the state, sir. That is like that. That's, that's how we would that's how we do things in America. God damn it. It'll be called masturbation mornings. <laughs> masturbation uh, you start talking about, about boners right away. Um uh, yeah, I had I had a few glasses of white wine uh, with my with my dinner tonight and um it's just got me on that nice buzz. You know, that nice buzz where you can see things that will generally usually bring the conversation to halt but once you've had those few glasses you just don't care so (laughs) in in, in the interest of not caring duncan um first of all Mm -hmm. uh before we get to what we've been watching good and bad i would also point out we still have uh duncan and Bo go to lovecraft country shirts available if you go to legionpodcast.com there's a merch button and you can find it all there um it's the merch button it's what is paying for everything that you see right now yeah, was taken only a week. Trying to move and some units, people. Let's. Hey, you got uh, some Christmas money burning a hole in your pocket. Buy a t-shirt. Uh, yeah, buy, buy yourselves a t-shirt. Don't you don't you don't want to be like tuning into one of these live streams as the bailiffs coming to take away Bo's camera, and he's like, oh, right. I'm it's wasting away people. Wheels as I can slide. Um, that was pretty good. That was like the 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 hook from uh, the Apollo Theater. <laughs> The Sandman comes and sweeps you away. I also think if one of us talks too long, we should have that theme from the Oscars that they do. They play to get people off the stage. I absolutely. If you look, we have the technology. Uh, someone in chat pointed out, uh, we we have the technology. This is like the six million dollar man of podcasts. If you want to have me to put on music when you start to say stuff that's just crazy and rambling, a hundred percent, we can make that happen. We make that happen this show. I just love the idea of us trying to think, though, in the sound effect being... I think it would have to be... I like the idea of the Oscar music where it, like, slowly swells as you're talking. Right. Yeah, that's what we need is... Hold on, Duncan. Hold on. We can make this happen. 
Oh, yes. like, Hold on. I was like, oh, you've challenged me, sir. I just think for when oh. one of us goes on too long, I just have that like slowly fading in from the background. I, uh, it's just all the listener can hear. I almost uh, fell over, but uh, I managed to find a red siren that we can use to alert you of when you're not making sense. Red siren. Or we could just go that. We could go with the party sign. Here, 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 here. That, yeah. I need one of those, yeah, with big air horns. We could do the old day. I'm just, I've just seen the live stream of you. Like, I'm, I watched the delayed live stream, so I just mm-hmm. saw you dropping that, um, almost dropping the berry, which is kind of funny. Yeah. We, we could do that. We could do the old uh, Ecto 1 siren if you want. Right. Well, that'd be cool. Here, all right. Here's a great Ghostbusters joke. Speaking of the Ecto One, um, it's when Dan Aykroyd first shows up with the Ecto One in Ghostbusters, and uh, Bill Murray is like, "How much? Uh, how much does this cost?" And he's like, uh, "You know, it, it's a little bit of a fixer-upper opportunity. It just needs, uh, you know, sh- shocks, uh, suspension." New brakes. Yeah, how much did it cost, Ray? Uh forty eight hundred. Uh wiring. Um, it's gonna need some new exhaust. And that joke of Bill Murray just like, holy shit, like we just got taken for the shittiest car in New York. Into one's a lemon. Co- yeah, completely unsung joke in that movie. Uh, you know, here here on the show, Duncan, we like to point out over and over again how funny Ghostbusters is. Is is one of like Per per pound, if we were doing the pound for pound greatest like comedies, Ghostbusters is up there. Like in terms yeah. of the more you watch it, the more you gleam out of it. Like I, I don't know what age I was at before I realized that, you know, especially like in the Ghostbusters franchise, that there's a whole lot of allusions to fucking um like are doing things with spectral entities that you're probably not supposed to. Yeah, they're th- right. I mean the story of that obviously is that there was a cut scene. Mm-hmm. Where the boys go to like some haunted cabin or camp or something, and and get blowjob like he got a spectral blowjob in the movie. It wasn't a dream in the movie. It really happened, or in the original script, it really happened. Yeah, in the movie, it was a dream. Uh, I, can't, I can't believe that. I can't believe they cut that scene, bro. Hard to imagine, Duncan. Right? <laughs> I mean that that was as, as infamous that that whole script was was written on all the weed. Like all the weed in the world, uh, you know. Uh, here, when they wrote that script, so. I, I, I would like to agree with you, but here, here's what I actually think. I actually think that Dan Aykroyd is just a supremely weird dude. Well, like Dan Aykroyd, if Dan Aykroyd now is any indicator of what Dan Aykroyd might have been in the past, then yes. I mean, like any conversation, like he is, he is all in on that. Aliens are here train you know yeah I mean? um like full and like uh, unabashedly and i kind of appreciate that there's part of me that that kind of likes that you know there's a certain there's a certain point in celebrity and wealth where you get that fuck you money that you can just be like yeah aliens exist and what's going to happen the government's going to make me disappear i don't think so <laughs> and the government's like he's got us right <laughs> he's got money no <laughs> uh I mean, these days, maybe you could get away with it, though. You could probably disappear Dan Aykroyd right now. No, about that. Like, my, one of my favorite things that's happened in the last week is uh, the the phenomenal video footage of Alex Jones turning on QAnon, which, if you've not seen this yet... I have I'm not. Still, oh, dude. As he speaks to the QAnon shaman, you know, this witch doctor Viking-looking motherfucker, 
Um, who, by the way, that's offensive to Vikings. Let me just put it that way. Vikings, mm-hmm. there's very scant evidence that they ever made their way to America. We believe they got as far as Greenland. There's no evidence that they really made their way to America. And if they did, they wouldn't believe in QAnon, so fucking suck it. I don't believe right? Vikings existed at all. <laughs> well, they did, unfortunately. They, they destroyed They destroyed and raped half my country, because um, we were weak and they were stronger for it. Um, <laughs> It's a controversial view. It's a yeah. really controversial view. Yeah, um, speaking of QAnon, let's... Yeah, well, Alex Jones, I, I don't know if you could find it, but it's one of my favourite things. Is like Alex Jones interviews this dude, Alex, whatever his name is, Alicia, or fucking, I don't know, the QAnon shaman. And he does this great thing where he, like, he, Alex Jones' interview style is just don't let the other person speak, which I kind of love when it's against people that he set up. Because like the last, what, six years he's been talking about paedophiles in the government, and now that there's a cabal of people that believe that there's paedophiles in the government, and that's on the losing side, he's very quickly distancing himself from it. And uh, it's, it's just glorious. He, he bangs the table, says they're full of shit. He says uh, that you, you're changing the rules, and then he starts talking. He's like, "All oh, these, you got damn witches and warlocks, and your your pumpkin possums," and uh, and then he actually bursts out into a full hearty laugh because he realizes how ridiculous he sounds, and then cuts the guy off the call without letting him answer. And I'm like, Alex Jones is gone. Now, <laughs> chat is from YouTube is backing you up and saying that the uh, this it's is amazing. hot is how it, was it is absolutely I. Like legitimately is one of the funniest things I've seen in the last week and that is just great seeing it's just great seeing all like, it, it, there's something kind of funny like, it's like when two bullies have a fight it's kind of like that when like two baseless conspiracy theorists have an argument over shit which doesn't exist I mean it's the <laughs> Right, it, uh, right. It's like when people start fighting over like what what is what's hotter, elves or unicorns? You know, yeah. You're just or like, like All right, who's, well. who's who's the stronger superhero, Superman or Batman? You're like, well, watch your exists. fucking mouth, McLeish. <laughs> neither, like, neither exists. So let's let's just fucking drop this. Look, hey, if uh, you want to start talking, who's faster, Flash versus Superman? Sure, that's stupid as shit. But the Hulk versus Thor? Now we got a real discussion, Duncan. We got to think about this because the Hulk, Duncan, listen to me for a second the hulk gets stronger the angrier he gets and so but thor has the strength of a god so uh just so all you do is you show the hulk kittens surely done work sun's going down big guy (laughs) 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 all right duncan we should probably start a show this sounds like an idea uh, we do maybe yeah so because we were talking uh, just before about how hey maybe we can pull one in in under three hours uh That's never gonna not happen. like this well, to, ha- <laughs> not like this <laughs> uh so yeah someone uh told me today that uh this this new matrix 4 movie is just called matrix oh yeah, that, why did they? Why did they do that? Well, let's be honest. Why did they do that? It's it's one of the dumber decisions. Well, the, the, this is quick on the heels of Scream Five just being called Scream, or Blair Witch Project Three just being called Blair Witch. Right. It's that kind of thing, or the thing being called the thing. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like come on, 
Come on. That you don't have it, like it reeks of we don't want people to think it's a sequel. We don't want them to think it's a prequel. We don't want them to think it's a remake. So let's just be ambiguous. Look, you know how it is around here, Duncan. A uh, hot take served up fresh daily. That's how <laughs> that's how we do. Uh, <laughs> mm, yummy. <laughs> but only only the the freshest of hot takes. Um, come about six a.m. That's when they're right out of the oven. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I this whole idea of let us let's name the new movie the name of the movie that was good in the first place, and maybe mm-hmm. p- people will kind of forget that this is a <laughs> new movie that that's nowhere near after. <laughs> right, right. It's that kind of thing where you're just like, this is be yourself, like be your own movie, stand on your own merits, yeah, and and don't don't lean on just pure name recognition and i understand hey you're gonna be called scream something because it's a scream movie but just call it scream five or call it you know the first scream or beyond scream or uh, scream in the dark or some shit if there's any like empirical evidence out there that proves that putting a five at the end of scream is going to have a detrimental impact on how people view that movie I just don't think there is. I, I mean, maybe because sure it came are. after Scream Four, but you know, I but Scream Four, like I'll tell you right now, Scream Four, Duncan, um, infinitely better than Scream Three. So, uh, yeah, okay, I'll give you that much. Oh, yeah, Scream Four is better than Scream Three, but and I might, mm. I might go, and I might get spat on here by everyone. I think it might be better than Scream Two as well. I think I might be. Scream, Scream 4, Scream 2, and then Scream 3, and the order. Scream 4 has, the, the, the biggest issue that Scream 4 has as a movie is that in all the marketing and in every level of common sense, they should have killed off at least one of the main cast, and they didn't. Yeah. But out with that, I actually enjoy a lot of what they do in that movie. Uh, apart from the fact that they pretend that Suspiria is some sort of weird, like underground movie that no horror fan has heard of before, I mean that's 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 not right. <laughs> like that's like that. You've got the the chick that's the cheerleader from fucking Heroes going, yeah. Uh, maybe you've never heard of this movie before, Suspiria. And I'm like, oh no, burn these people, burn like lock the doors, get the gasoline, and light them, light them up. That's what I'm saying. Let's get rid of these people now. Um, but yeah, a surprisingly fun movie, and obviously Kevin Williamson himself has said that the frustrations he had, and that led to the following, which had half a good season out of three. A <laughs> uh, couple of things, Duncan. First of all, yes. maybe the best Hayden Panettiere impression I've ever heard. Thank um, you. <laughs> yeah, clearly I've been working you've, on it. You, you've been playing until dawn. Clearly. Um, <laughs> Uh, Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash T-Putts Gas. That's cross-promotion. Oh, I'm still always, always pimping. Brand, yeah, brand synergy, Duncan. Anyway, uh, credit to Andrew for this one. Scream 5, The Scream Child. <laughs> done and done. What about The Scream Warriors? The Scream! Oh, yeah, you bring back uh, uh, Dawkin. Uh, yeah. Yeah, get Dawkin in there. They do the theme song. Is basically just a cover of their previous song, The Dream Warriors. You just want change there. the one word. Yeah. <laughs> That's all we have to do. <laughs> That's what Elton John did when Princess Diana died. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's like that. I've released the song before, made a kajillion pounds from it. Let's re release it again and benefit off Diana's death. 
don't want to scream no more. It all works. <laughs> all right. Walks. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, uh, this is a so, terrific idea. Let's, uh, we'll take a cut of whatever money Dawkins makes for coming up with that idea. 10%, I think it's fair <laughs> for an idea that took us three seconds to come up with. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, Duncan, we should probably start the show now. Yes, let's um, start the show. <laughs> so, let's begin with uh, what we've been watching, good and bad. And I mentioned it earlier, so let me let me go ahead and start with the bad. Uh, and maybe the, it's been on my mind as a result. I, I rewatched The Thing 2011. Uh, yeah, the the remake that became a prequel. Right. Uh, which is basically just a remake. Yes, only, only it kind of doesn't... It doesn't have the guts to be the movie it kind of wants to be. Yes. It, like, it, it feels like a movie that has a little bit too much studio meddling uh, in, mm-hmm. in it somehow. Because th- there are moments where it's like, oh, right, you've got kind of the paranoia of the original going on here and that's pretty good mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden it turns into a monster movie for for 20 minutes and you're like no 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 that's not what the first one was. like i know there are monsters in it but it's not a monster <laughs> yeah. movie mm-hmm. it's it's a movie about not trusting anybody and the second that a monster starts chasing somebody around in that movie i start losing interest yeah and and the other thing that's a problem, to, and another thing, Duncan. And another thing. <laughs> another thing uh, is that, uh, especially towards the end of that movie, when they're starting to shoehorn all the stuff that you know from the original Carpenter, not the original, mm-hmm. but the Carpenter, the thing. Um, uh, the original is Howard Hawks. <laughs> Horror fans. <laughs> Stupid. Um <laughs> <laughs> but when you start to see like oh no don't touch that axe because you cut the arm thing in half and oh also we found this guy over here because he cut his wrist instead of being attacked by mm-hmm. the thing and that kind of stuff um it it all happens so quickly on top of each other and yeah. i guess maybe that's how it would happen but it also felt real like Okay, oh, right, we've got to make this feel like it's connected to the other film. I, I give them a slight bit of credit on that one, because I've seen loads of prequels which make no effort to tie into the first installment. Like, zero sure. effort at all. You know what I mean? Whether like that... We've we watched uh, one not that long ago when we, we talked about that in that last Insidious movie. What was it? The Lost Key the- or whatever. Right. But basically, uh, Lynn Shea finds out that her dad is the worst American serial killer of all time. The and then two weeks later, she's on a doorstep with his family going, hey. Yeah. <laughs> what was, was it called the the la- the it, lost key or the last key? I can't I can't remember. Fuck, remember man, that movie is. Had, like weird key fingers. Yeah. But yeah, it's the something key. You're absolutely right. But man, that movie just will not stay in your memory. That movie is like watching that movie is like somebody throwing one of those men in black flashers at you where you're like, oh, what the fuck happened? I watched I watched the the skeleton key. Is that what I watched? No. Tucker and Specs are bringing in all these suitcases and what Eloise as a character should be doing is being horrified by the visions of finding lots of bodies in suitcases, but she's fine with it, though. She is fine with that. Right. And and, and again, we've talked about this before, but the moment she shows up at that house uh, for the original Insidious, Mm -hmm. 
the those people should have been like, you're the lady on the news. <laughs> yeah. Or, 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 haven't we seen you before? Yeah. Wasn't your father the worst serial killer in American history? Right. Um, didn't yeah. you see something crazy like his ghost led you to the, the bodies of all the victims? Huh. And you, you've been out of the game for a while, have you? Since, what, <laughs> Tuesday? <laughs> you You've been retired. It's literally like two months. Be- it's yeah. set two months before. And, and this is what I mean. There's tons of movies out there that don't make that effort at all. They're like, yeah, we're doing a Cabin Fever is another great one. They did that prequel and that prequel like changes so much imminently before Cabin Fever starts. And you're like, if you, I, I understand you've taken the story as far as you can go. Maybe. I don't know about that. Um just do the same story over and over again. Friday the Thirteenth did it for years and it works, uh, but you know, like, but you do the prequel. Like as soon as you put that prequel in there, and that prequel has a conceit. It's not like the Tremors prequel. The Tremors prequel does the smart thing of like setting it like a hundred years before. So we're fine with that. Sure, yeah. That's how you do it. You put set it well before, so there's you know you're cutting out those. But when, as soon as you're in the thing scenario that we're talking about here, where you're setting up all the things that those characters will find at the Norwegian base, you're you're thinking about it too much you mean you're set it too close uh or are you like or you're segueing it in because like i say for for all intents and purposes that movie originally started as being a remake and then it pivoted to well no it's actually a prequel and i think they did that because there was a I'm surprised that movie fans have this much power but there was an upcry of people going you know what are you doing like don't remake the thing and they're like well it's not a remake it's a prequel isn't that a prequel you need to shoot those scenes like, go back and reach right. who, who said it was going to be a remake? That's so weird that you guys thought it was a remake. Yeah, you guys are should, so silly. How, <laughs> horror fans are so silly. You guys They're thought so it was silly. a remake. Yeah. Also, I w- I'd like to point out how rare it is you you hear the phrase, the really smart thing the Tremors prequel did. I know. I know. I, I'll tell you, I've not seen the new, new one, but um, I went through that entire franchise so two years ago um and there's not a bad one yes there is diminishing returns but there's not a bad one in there they are they are that's a franchise of movies that knows fine well that it's absurd uh, and you should just have fun with it and not not be too serious and as soon as you as soon as you introduce an entity known as the ass blaster that's the point where you should stop caring about continuity um and and taking any movie seriously so, uh, yeah i mostly don't care about film continuity in the first place yeah i'm like just make a good movie if you make a good movie i'll forgive any continuity yeah. problems and yeah I'm, I'm not, on some level i'm i'm pretty much the same i think it's when it's when they make a good movie and they're so close to you know, there's that one decision where you're like well now you've now you've raised a question <laughs> like like don't raise that question just never approach that question like when you do like a friday the 13th remake and you have a series of underground tunnels to with bells bells and chains and stuff like that and that's how jason knows where you are in the woods why do we need to explain that just have jason be this entity that knows the woods really well and that's enough or don't even explain it at all just leave it that's part of the charm part of the charm is that you can part of the charm of those movies is regardless how fast you run you're still fucking dead 
Well, and, and smarter people than than me, and maybe you. I don't want to speak for you. Uh, but Speak for me if you want, Bo, as long as it's in a Scottish accent. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I can't do that. God damn it. Yar. Uh, yar. 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 But no, Walk pe- the plank, you bastard. People have talked about how Jason in those movies is a, a true force of nature. Like, in a lot yes. of the films, you actually see... Uh, storms rolling in before Jason starts murdering people, kind of capturing the idea that, you know, Jason is a force like uh, disease or death or something like that. It's just it, when you least suspect it, there he'll be to to murder you. Mm-hmm. And, and right, like demystifying that. It's kind of the problem I have with Halloween, too. Like you, you start in Halloween 2 seeing how Michael gets around. It's like, I don't want to know that. Yeah. Like, I just want him to be there. That's the thing that's scary is that, oh, he wasn't there, and now he is. You know what's not scary? I'm going around the corner of the house. Then yeah, I'm going yeah. up the stairs. <laughs> yeah, like, the, the mechanic... What, what never aids mystery is detail. It's the yeah. lack of detail right. that aids mystery. Like, like, the less detail that's shown in a magic trick makes the magic trick seem more marvelous but when you start like trying to break down the de- that's where it no longer becomes like mesmerizing so yeah i think i think they're, they're I, I think linking this back watch me do this linking this back to our original conversation about specific titles of movies as soon as you put out a movie called matrix or a movie called you know the scream or whatever it's going to be fucking called um, as soon as you do that you are in effect trying to create a mystique that is un- unmerited and unwanted four or five movies into a franchise. Like, no one yeah. needs that mystique. We know we know what the Matrix is. So you might as well just call it Matrix 4, the rebirth, or just do what they do once again. Friday the 13th is the greatest example. Just have a movie called The Final Chapter and A New Beginning, back-to-back. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Instead of just calling it Roy. Um, <laughs> which oh, Roy's my have. boy. Oh, my boy. I, <laughs> boy for life, yo. I know. Uh, Duncan, enough about <laughs> about the thing 2011, which we clearly talked about a ton. Uh, yep. Give me one of yours, good or bad. Um, I, I was swinging to the bad, and it's not necessarily bad. Once again, I've not seen anything that I disliked in the last week, but one that certainly uh, has an impact because of the medium that I saw on. Uh, I'm currently working through Indicator in the UK. It's a label put out by Powerhouse. Um, released two box sets from William Castle. I'm currently going through them. So it's William Castle at whatever studio it was, Columbia or whatever it is. Um, and the first episode is recorded and will drop in just over a week's time. And I was looking at the movie The Tingler, which the Tingler, at the time it was released, is known for the gimmicks employed by William Castle. Thus be, you know, for those that don't know, William Castle, director who primarily worked on gimmicks and he was trying to make horror movies relevant or successful in a time period where people were watching sci-fi movies and not horror movies. So like the universal classic monster movies have kind of died out. And people were now interested in movies that talked about like what the atomic age, giant bugs, creatures from another planet. And he was still trying to make these very kind of ho-hum horror movies that people weren't really interested in. But what he understood was that horror movies are perceived primarily by people as being a like a fairground ride. And that's what he'd try and do. So he always employed all these different gimmicks. 
that you could use. And the Tingler is one great example where the cinemas that the movie was shown in, certain chairs in the cinema would be hooked to electrodes, which would give this mild kind of buzzing sensation to unexpected patrons, uh, which would be linked to the idea of the Tingler itself, which is this uh, parasite that is in everyone, but in certain people will react. Or perhaps a symbiote. Yeah, symbiotis. Um, would react to fear itself and create this tingling, which is why when you're scared, you get that shiver down your back because it is latched onto your spine. And at the time it was released, the movie's primary selling point would have been those elements. Uh, But Duncan, how do you get rid of the tingler once it's attached to you? Is there (laughs) any way... Scream, scream. That's, people, that's what you do. You scream uh, as long as you can. I mean, not to hijack your comment about this, but I love this shit. I love the circus around oh, William it's, Castle it's, movies. It's, it's, perf- it's perfect. It's perfect for the time period. This is. It, it's weird to see how ahead of the time he was in understanding. I mean, he's doing essentially what like kind of carnival stuff had been doing for years, that idea of you pay money to go to the freak show and, you know, come and see the mermaid monkey, you know, like all this, all this shit. Where do I see the mermaid monkey, Duncan? (laughs) Jesus Christ, you've been holding out on me. (laughs) It's in the back, boy, it's in the back. Don't don't you lie to me. But it's the idea of kind of carnival theatre, and that's what people crave when they, we still crave it, like people go to see horror movies. The, those that are not acclimated to horror movies go to see a horror movie to be scared. It's the thrill of being scared that they seek. It, the story in a movie could be utterly tosh, but if they get like one or two jump scares, they will come out and rave about how fucking great this movie is. And that's sadly how a lot of these movies are now made and it's based around jump scares. But William Castle understood that. Watching this movie in 2021 on Blu-ray without electrodes attached to my chair, what I've realised is actually that element, which now feels like a bit of a drag, it's kind of fun hearing Vincent Price like narrate to the audience you know, how they should be reacting in the dark. I kind of dig that, but it doesn't really work. But what's really interesting is all that sequence removed is how dark the rest of the story actually is and i think it's the bit that people don't talk (laughs) about is how malevolent and evil our hero quote unquote is in this movie because vincent price is really your protagonist in this movie who will solve a murder by the end but what he does throughout the movie is pretty fucking dark And I think that is, so coming back to what I was surprised by was how good that stuff was and minus the gimmick, how mm, relatively, it's not bad, but I I feel like all those sequences in the the cinema really need to have the, the effect of a live audience. Like, see if you're yeah. sitting yourself watching it, it doesn't necessarily work. Where the rest of the movie totally fucking works. And mostly because of Price's performance. Price is brilliant in that movie. Really sells it, even towards the end. So, yeah, I don't know. It was an interesting experience because the last time I'd seen The Tingler, I was a kid. So, and I remember it being kind of, oh my God. Uh, so now watching it many, many years removed from that, um, I now find it 
more fascinating the bits that didn't necessarily sell the movie at the time the that moment the the one you're talking about that as you're watching it at home now it seems so incredibly silly but that scream yeah. scream the tingler's <laughs> loose in your theater you know that scene is i, I really love that shit in the dark yeah in, a, in an auditorium and certain people have their chairs hooked up to electric currents not like sore electric hunts yeah but enough to give them a shock in the dark which would make them scream and you know what that's like like and it, if you're on a fairground ride um you instantly will start screaming or be completely unsettled it's genius marketing it's it's so so cleverly put together um and what's interesting about the movie and we were discussing this on the recording is the stuff that works for the specifically the stuff that works in tingler for me now is the stuff of the deaf woman being scared to death. And what's so interesting, because it, it feels like a kind of, like a ghost house, so to speak. What's so interesting is that the next movie that Castle releases is 13 Ghosts, which is yeah. basically all of that. It's just that scene elongated out over a whole movie. Um, and it's, it's interesting to see him go, right, well, and I don't know how much of that at the time was, well, that seems to be getting a reaction. Let's do that in the next project or not. So, yeah, that, that was my... It wasn't as good as I remember it, but there's a whole lot in there where you're like, if you're taking people through the the evolution of horror cinema from, you know, Nosferatu onwards, you have to make a stop by William Castle and maybe even the Tingler as a, this is, this is what directors were doing. It's made the year before Cycle where everything changes, but this is basically what directors were doing to try and get people into see a horror movie because no one wanted to see horror movies in 1959 it's why when it's why when hitchcock said i want to do this movie psycho no one would back it no one wanted involved with it because it was a horror movie and it was about killing people and all this and audiences just don't want to see that anymore cut to cut to you know 60 years later and psycho is arguably one of the greatest horror movies ever fucking made so there we go um yeah, a, a side note to the whole William Castle discussion, mm-hmm. a, a quick recommend, and I think you'd back me up on this, is the movie Matinee, which is oh. this blend of like, Dante, yeah. John Goodman's character is basically William Castle meets Roger Corman. Yeah. It's it's kind of those two individuals, and it's it's so delightful, the, the you know, Allegal, Galligator. You know that all that stuff is, it's it's so good and it's such a Matinee like loving is one of to one of the most underrated Joe Dante movies of all time. And I think people still sleep on that movie. And it, I mean, when you look at Joe Dante's film career, just in general, is is one that I still don't think we appreciate nearly as much as we should. Because um, he he has some incredible movies in there, but Matinee just it, it didn't get the audience out with film critics. Of a certain age, it didn't get the audience or the appreciation it deserves, um, but it is an incredible movie, especially if you have a passing interest or just even a love of older cinema, um, specifically William Castle. It's full of great stuff. So that's my not bad, but not great movie for this week, Bob. What's your good? What, what are you bringing in on the good? All right. So the good is uh, a movie that I need you to make great for me because right now it's just good oh oh right i didn't realize we're going to be put under pressure here but all right let me save the day again (laughs) 
So uh, what it is, is it's the movie Synchronic. Oh, boy, what do you mean? So oh. here's the thing. I really, really dig this movie. Yeah. I think it's incredibly cool. It, until the very end, which I think gets hammy in a way. That TV show. Yeah, that I'm like, yeah. I I wish this ending weren't here. Yeah. And, and this whole movie would work better for me. Mm-hmm. But has one of the coolest like time travel concepts I think I've ever heard, and, yeah, and it has some. And of the we're best talking execution. about directors who purposely have given us already the coolest time travel concepts. Yeah, ever right, and <laughs> so, and so all right for for uh, viewers and listeners, uh, if you if you don't know Synchronic and you don't know uh, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, is that right? Mm-hmm. Do you have the okay? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they did um, Resolution was their first film, which mm-hmm. is great. Then they backed that up with Spring, which also great. great. <laughs> then was it was it the Endless? They did the Endless next, which is fucking great, <laughs> right? And then now Synchronic. Yeah, yeah, that's and, right. They've been involved in tons of other things in the production environment, so produced. Tons of movies from uh, kind of indie filmmakers, most of which have been received very well. Uh, last year it was After Midnight, so they were the production team behind that. So, yeah, which I uh, really, I mean, I'm a Jeremy Gardner uh, fan, and and yeah, that's a great movie. Great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so the story of the movie is you have Anthony Mackie, and I can't remember the name of the other actor. Uh, uh, the Dornan guy. Jamie the Dornan. Guy. That's it. Jamie Dornan, they are uh, they they're EMTs in New Orleans, and no, whoa, whoa, whoa. Norlands, Norlands. Thank you. They're EMTs in Norlands. I'm flashing back to my days working uh, at, at a, a, a shitty chain restaurant <laughs> where they had a, a product that was like a Norlands skillet, and they got oh. mad at you if you didn't pronounce it right. It was Norlands. Yeah, like this is the New Orleans skillet. Nope, nope. Say it right. Ugh. <laughs> Just uh, what? How much dignity do you have to get from me? Well, how much more do you have to mine out of me before you're happy? You filthy sons of bitches. It's written as New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. Come on, please. No, it <laughs> was written Nolans. I just didn't want to say it like that. Anyway, so yes, they are they're EMTs in Nolans, and they find uh, a couple of people. Uh, dead or in really bizarre circumstances yeah. always with this pill called synchronic nearby mm-hmm. which is uh as it happens a synthetic ayahuasca essentially yep <laughs> and but w- what it does is it doesn't make you trip well it kind of does it takes you on the greatest trip duncan <laughs> which is it makes you travel through time and depending where you depending where you are geographically you go back to a different place and and the coolest moments in the movie are anthony mackie figuring this out yeah and oh man that stuff is really good um but yeah like i said i think the movie is fantastic and it does some interesting stuff with time in the narrative where it's like oh this scene is actually taking place before that and so i'm kind of being informed more now about what that scene really means and that's kind of yeah. cool and then it gets to this end man and and i like everything about the ending pretty much 
except the like force ghost shit that happens with Anthony Mackie. And I'm like, don't do this. I Just- think this, like, my, my understanding from this played at Fright Fest last year. So I saw this almost a year ago. It would been uh, last March um, at Open Fright Fest. And Benson and Moorhead were in attendance, um, which was really cool. Got a fist bump with the guys, which, I mean, since then, nothing bad in the world has happened except yeah. everything shut down. Uh, so, oh, yeah, right. Uh, word to the wise, no fist bumping Benson and Moorhead, please. Uh, but they had mentioned in there that the movie had played the year before. So this is one that's been out for a while in the ether. And when it originally played, that had a different ending. And I believe this is what they changed. I am maybe I, I was like you when I when it first finished. My initial reaction was that I felt the ending was a bit saccharine. Right, Overall, where there are other films. Ending. Sorry to cut you off. I mean, just there are other films don't have that that kind of overly saccharine tone, and this and, felt more I'm saccharine than the rest the of the endless movie. Does the endless? Like you got to remember at the endless at the very end, um, they're back on the same. Like the brothers are once again reunited, and you know that kind of that standoffishness that they have from memories of the cult is completely gone. Plus, they they escape the end of that kind of doomsday scenario mm. where everything resets and all the rest. They escape all of that, and then they drive on their merry way. It is a fairly happy ending the end of that movie. Yeah, but, but it's... this one's even happier. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of feels like the mo- the movie should have finished with you know sitting at the dock of the bay. Yeah, yeah. There's a <laughs> real happiest endings, and they changed it for that. And I, I remember them talking about specifically why they changed the ending without like cutting too much into to, to details that I'm sure will become very prevalent when people like uh, own this on Blu-ray or whatnot. Um, I want to say it was Justin Benson. Um, his like, he told this harrowing story about how I think it was his dad committed suicide during the making of this. Oh wow! And um, yeah, he had to deal with all that shit right in the middle of it, and it kind of impacted the you know they'd already written and filmed a lot of the movie, and then they basically did some reshoots, and he gave it the happy ending, the optimistic ending that I think he wished he had had from that scenario and at that point i'm like i'm good with it did <laughs> like, like, sure. literally did the qd at the end when he finished it i was like that that's fine <laughs> like, yeah like, yeah i mean right it rocking that boat baby you know you're fine shake your fist bump nothing bad will happen uh but literally that's what I, he'd said that they'd that project itself took a while to get off the ground and during that project he went through some really 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 dark shit which informed the change so i i get that i think that i mean it's one step to i i I agree with you there's like there's like one or two specifically needless scenes that removed from it the ending works better in my opinion it's more satisfying to me um, like the ultimate fates of all the characters and that kind of thing i'm totally fine with all that there are just little moments that i'm like these are it's one of those things where like, the rest of the movie is so good and compelling and interesting and creative and unusual and like nobody makes movies that work exactly like 
Benson and Moorhead movies. No, definitely not. And or Moorhead and Benson, I think is how they credit themselves. And yeah. uh, so like they they have a very unique voice, and I almost feel like I I feel a little bit shitty that I'm I'm like you know kind of dragged Moorhead no, and Benson a little bit, but I'm not because they is they it, is, yeah is it no is it if what you like you if anything are the reason that they've got to the extent that Synchronic is being made is you are, you've been there since the start. A hundred percent. Yes. I mean, mean, I think, I think it's different if you come in like on Synchronic and then start being like, well, all this time travel stuff shit. You know what I mean? Like at that stage. (laughs) No, no. The time travel stuff's great. I'm all, I'm there for all of that. So you've come in from the start. So you've seen that progression of bigger budget, uh, bigger bigger names being attached to the project. But I think that I think that criticism, like like I say, I am of the same opinion. Like to me, it doesn't ruin the movie by any stretch of the imagination, but it does kind of feel like, uh, you know, I you know, it's that kind of I wouldn't have done that. That's maybe against the uh, the, the themes that your other movies have presented. Um, and that's how I kind of approach it. At the same time, though, like I say, he gave a justification for the change in ending, and I don't know if that was off the back of previous comments because it had done a festival run with the original ending, and then they'd reshot. Uh, it's one of many reshot sequences, I believe. They'd reshot quite a bit um, to 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 get the movie out in the form that you're seeing it now. But I'm, I'm with you. I don't I don't disagree. I think there's a. a I think there's, and I don't know, once again, I don't know if it's because, well, the other movies are indie movies, so we don't have to pander to a larger audience. And sadly, this movie isn't getting the release that it deserves. Um, that it, it does feel like the more Hollywood ending overall. Just those, like, one or two things that they fit in the end feel a bit more Hollywood than the rest of the stuff that they've put in there. I am interested to hear your take uh, as if I need to ask your take about their involvement in the future Marvel project for Disney Plus? I'm not, uh, I'm not familiar I'm with that not story. Marvel? I didn't have to clean my underwear straight away, Duncan. No, I, um, I think that what's really interesting, and and this is kind of coming on the heels of the release of WandaVision, uh, which I've seen the first two episodes of now. And, I will watch it when it finishes. Yeah, I, I can't do the week on week thing. I need to binge. Um, I kind of like it for these circumstances, uh, especially something that's like, well, this is only a half hour ish yeah. kind of show. Um, and but it, the thing I like about it is it's unusual. It's not something mm-hmm. that I would have fully expected from the first like Marvel series that Disney plus was going to put forward. It's not a big action spectacle kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's more of this almost Lynchian sort of exploration of sitcoms that there, there, there are times I'm like, I don't like, I know how you feel about comic movies and that kind of thing. So I'm not. I don't mind that. There's plenty that I, there's plenty that I like. It's just the, when they start getting too grand. Like, and when, the, yes. Like, this yeah, is and much where it all falls. Where it all falls apart for me when, like, there, we have a standalone movie and there's no real conceivable reason why all the characters that were in the previous collaboration movie to save the world aren't here to save the world. Yeah. At that point, I'm just like, this is just like silly. You know what I mean? Yeah. But with that, like, there are plenty of standalone ones that I enjoy. So, 
all right. So with that in mind, well, like our I, listeners against us, Bo. <laughs> eventually they, was they will rise against Duncan. The Scotsman. Yeah, we Damn. will. We will storm the capital of Scotland or something. Edinburgh, Ed, Edinburgh as we call it, or Edinburgh, as you guys call Edinburgh. it. Edinburgh. Uh, of. But so the thing I like about WandaVision is that it has these really like on the surface, it presents as truly like an episode of the Dick Van Dyke show or something. And but there are moments where uh, like uh, they're having a dinner party and one of the the characters, it's a husband and wife. The husband starts choking and the wife says, stop it, Ralph stop it ralph and she just starts repeating that over and over and over again in this yeah. really lynchian moment where like the characters are like what's going on i don't understand why this is happening and mm-hmm. like it, it it kind of anyway it's really interesting it's not exactly what i would have expected and having uh, uh like moorhead and benson take on a character who is uh, in, in the comics and so forth is sort of the Marvel Batman, except mm-hmm. that he's got really s- severe mental problems and is sort of, uh, uh, sees reality differently, kind of a split personality kind of character and having Moorhead and Benson who do reality bending kind of shit. It's like, yep. Oh, that makes sense. I could see where they could take this character and do really cool stuff with just the visuals of it. And so it feels like a good fit. I like the fact that Marvel goes out of their way to get really talented filmmakers mm-hmm. to do their projects, you know. Uh, like, hey, it, after Fruitvale Station, they were like, who the fuck is Ryan Coogler and how do we get him to direct Black Panther? You yeah, know, yeah, like, they, yeah. they're, they're, they're savvy about who they get to, to helm these projects. So, sure, I'm super enthusiastic about it. I think Moran and Vincent are great. Um I hope they get all the money for this and then they can like do this and go make a weird movie and then do a Hollywood movie and go make a, a Moorhead and Benson movie and like kind of Cronenberg it for a few years where it's like, here's the Hollywood one. Here's one for us. Here's one that's for them. That's the dream, isn't it? That's the, if you're, if you're a guy that's come up through the kind of independent genre system, the, the dream, the goal is to be in a position where you can get that one big payday on you know the hollywood movie and then take a bit of that money to finance your your movie the personal movie and then guess what go back and do that big hollywood movie again and get that paid like Guillermo del toro is the one we cite quite a lot as being the the guy who carved a whole career out of doing that so um yeah i'm hopeful i I think uh, the only casting that i saw was uh ethan hawk has been a cast as a villain which once again I mean that's a great move. Yeah, sure. <laughs> he's he's like he's 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 an actor that has, upon recent times, really embraced weird genre roles in a way that I deeply enjoy. So yeah, I, I think that's I think that's clever. I'll be interested to see how it goes. And my yeah, Synchronic, I don't think is their best movie. I still think The Endless is their best movie. I think the Endless is absolutely incredible. But as the next rung up, minus one or two scenes that maybe knock it down a little bit. It's damn near there. As as you were talking about, as time travel stuff goes, it's some of the best I've seen on screen. Like I genuinely find it absolutely captivating. And I think they went a bit twee towards the end. And I can kind of forgive them for that. 
I, I like the fact that the the uh, time travel rules are kind of nonsense, but they always are in these movies. Yeah. But they're kind of laid out pretty quickly and, and in an interesting way of like, okay, here's how it works. It lasts this long and you have to do this and here's how it can go wrong. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, again, very, I, I think, uh, uh, very clever and creative with all that stuff. But, uh, Duncan, I'm going to uh, ask one final time, uh, for the the folks in chat, we'll catch up with all that stuff here in a second. Uh, if you have any questions, ask them now for Ask Duncan and Bo. Uh, and Duncan, what is your good movie? So I've watched it again for a fifth time. <laughs> just, oh, I, just, I assume you're talking about Little Women? Uh, obviously. I mean, uh, what, why not? Uh, like At times when I watch that, I wish I was in fact a Little Woman. I you I've um, always kind of seen you as uh, I've always seen you as that Duncan so that's okay um, as, as like fan of gingham gingham's the, the like gingham and tweed mm-hmm. uh, like the two of them are, are I mean a happy day is brought when both are bought um, and so, uh, no, that old um, rhyme yeah <laughs> yeah that that old that old famous rhyme that wasn't just made up two seconds ago. Uh, I, I had the chance to sit down yesterday with Stephen Kostansky. His name like trips me up because it has letters in a form which are not usual for Scottish tongues. Uh, director of Psycho Gorman, aka PG, which is out on the 22nd of January. And trust me, guys, do not fucking sleep on this. Uh, he is one of Astron 6. His previous movie was The Void, which, I mean, this is where the excitement drains. Me and Bo are just eh on the void. Mm-hmm. Over up, eh. But PG is the the swinging the swinging dick to the face, which we both needed because we weren't expecting it. Um, it's a, the, the perfect time for a swinging dick is when you don't expect it. It's perfect when you don't like nothing feels better than being turkey slapped right across the jaw when you least expect it. Um, and he he brought it he he brought in this one. Uh, PG is basically a massive soapy handjob love letter to those that grew up watching um, movies like Yuzna's Giver or Power Rangers. Or and to be honest, there's about a million references to other movies in it. But it's a you know it's a nonsense over the top intergalactic men in rubber suits like chopping up people with that astron six aesthetic of it's incredibly gory um and very 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 funny sort of movie it involves uh intergalactic criminal question mark uh who is banished very much like they do at the end of superman 2 isn't it superman 2 where they put them in the the glass. Uh, no, that's at the beginning of the original Superman, and they get out that's in true. Superman two. Two, right? So yeah, it's that sort of like where there's a, a jewel that basically lands that controls this essentially omnipotent war lord <laughs> criminal thing, um, and these kids find it, and basically they use this <laughs> this guy to settle scores on the street, do various different tasks. It's very funny. It's very over the top. It, like I say, if you're a, a film fan in general, it's full of quirky, fun references. Tons of stuff that'll make you laugh. And it, it, it is wickedly paced as well. It wastes no time of getting into it. And I, I, I would be very surprised if I find anyone 
who doesn't have a sense of humour. Um, you know, if you have a sense, of, if you have any sort of sense of humour, you will enjoy this movie. And I got a chance to chat to the director yesterday, which was a high point for me. And uh, he's sitting wearing this plaid shirt with these two, like, kind of carved stone, kind of small emblems on his chest. And I'm watching him on like that, like right at the beginning of the interview, which will drop on Tuesday. Um, I'm like that. I need, like, my first question is, and I need to ask this, and I might be wrong, but are you wearing a, a shirt that has the emblems of Zardoz on it? And he's like, yeah, I totally am. And you can see he was like, this is the greatest interview ever because you understand Zardoz. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. And he turns around and shows me the back, which like, is this grey and white plaid shirt. And on the back is a full length, full length Sean Connery in the red strappy pant thing with the gun. Mm-hmm. The onesie, uh, yeah. Yep. And I was like, that, this is the best interview ever. And it was, it was a great time chatting to him. But what I got from that interview was that this is a guy that made a movie that was supposed to play South by Southwest March last year. This movie's been shelved since then. It's almost a year it's been on the shelf. And it just reminded me that 2021 is going to be a year where a lot of movies that should have been released last year are probably not going to get that cinema run unless they're a massive movie. And they're probably going to end up on streaming sites. And I think we're going to be overloaded with really interesting and diverse content. But as a, as a movie that to start off this year and put a smile on your face, your PG is the one that you need to watch. Psycho Gorman out on the 22nd of January. So much. Five times. I find it funnier every time I watch it. It is, it is really that funny. Um, I'm looking forward to, to, to seeing the internet embrace it their warm bosom when it's released so that's my good uh i know you're looking forward to it but i have a sneaky suspicion we're gonna have a lot of fun things to talk it's just it's a very quotable movie and it has so many nods to things where well there'll be a lot of end jokes if you if you if you if you know the movies which you will uh there'll be there'll be a lot of end jokes for the conversation for sure so yeah it, it sounds very much like the kind of japanese splatter films that i enjoy oh, it definitely is <laughs> And and so yeah, if there's a hint of like you know Yoshihiro Nishimura and that that you know uh, Noboru Gucci, those guys, that mm-hmm. that's kind of the vibe I'm getting off of it, yeah. and and that's my vibe, Duncan. Yes, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I told you about one of my favorite things in the movie. Uh, I think it's shown in a trailer, but it's, it's hilarious. Is this idea of him being forced to to read a, a little girl's kind of gq magazine or whatever it is and he's flipping through and there's all these guys with rippled torsos wearing jeans <laughs> and he's like he's he's like what is this and she's like it's it's, it's, it's my magazines it's just full of hunky guys and he's like i do, like kind of he almost seems a bit like wharf from the next generation he's like i do not like hunky guys and he turns around the camera and goes or do i <laughs> <laughs> confusion on his face it's that sort of it's very 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 funny and I like I said to him in the interview I wish him all the success uh, available streaming 22nd of January out on physical release in the States March available on Shudder May so if you've got you get Shudder this year because Shudder has a ridiculous amount of content coming its way so check it out yeah, uh, I Shuttered is continuing to be 
the absolute best deal in horror right now. Yeah, oh, for, for the for the money you spend on Shudder, you are at the moment anyway being spoiled. I think they said, was it 11, 11 new features in the first six months of the year? Which is nuts. Yeah. <laughs> for the cost that you're paying, it's nuts. So uh, looking forward to that. So, uh, Duncan, before we yeah. take a quick break and head into uh, our discussion of Slasher, uh, yes. we have both a question and a comment. A question and a comment. So the comment does the comment answer the question? Yes, they're just uh, trying to get us an out here, Bo. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Uh, no, what you said. Um, yes. Yeah, you asked it and he then knows. you answered it. You were right. Um, so the the comment is a uh, good recent watch is the documentary from last year called Crazy Not Insane, uh, which is about a psychologist who specialized in split personality disorders. And uh, and the dismissal that she has faced. It's uh, interesting. Crazy, not insane, is also my opening line to anyone that I meet. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm Duncan. Crazy, not insane. <laughs> I I don't know karate, but I do know crazy. Says Duncan <laughs> McLeish. <laughs> a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh uh from from the payback, I believe. From uh, <laughs> so good. <laughs> anyway. Um, yes. I but, will check it out. It sounds good. Yeah, we're actually uh, a little bit of of advanced promotion. Uh, we are in the early discussions of on the VD clinic. You know, every March they do March Madness, where yes. they they talk about a serial killer. So we're in early discussions, and I'll probably uh, check that out just so I can get some ideas. Although uh, spoilers, we're kind of talking about doing a cult this year. I mean, not, why not? Right. You know, when a, when a life when life gives you lemons, make a cult. Mm-hmm. May, yeah, get the flavor aid. Yeah. And mm-hmm. children, <laughs> mothers, mothers. Uh, yeah. That's just, well, anyway, that's plenty of Jonestown talk. Um, so then the question. Yep. Uh, the question is: I'm struggling to balance film, books, and video games. Should I try scheduling out uh, how I should dedicate my time, or do I need to stop overthinking it? And and Duncan, I, I like you and I are both people I I feel like who are fairly busy of our own design. Yes. So uh, I'm curious about this. Is that something you schedule tightly, or do you just? I mean, uh, obviously, because of recording shows and stuff like that, there's an amount of scheduling that is required. But yeah. but do you schedule outside of that? Are you a very schedule-oriented person? I am not out with stuff that I know I have to do for shows. Um, the I'm, I'm the unfair example uh, in that I exist as a human being who can require very little sleep. I, I sleep so little, it's... It's almost medically unfair um, and operates still at a decent level. Um, although Bo would probably argue that it leads to levels of incoherence, but I am. Um, That's more the I, drinking than the lack of it's sleep. More, it's more the drinking than anything else. If we could just sort that out, everything would be fine. Um, <laughs> so this is actually secretly an intervention episode of the, of the DBCC. <laughs> Duncan, you've got a problem. I don't. The first step is acknowledging you have a problem. Okay. Uh, I, I like I, how you're staging your own intervention here. <laughs> I, like Once again, that's how I schedule everything, Bo. I, I do it all myself. No, I, I don't. Um, me and Bo work not in similar fields, but in similar 
jobs where most of it is done based on computers and we both work from home now. So a lot of my, whilst I'm working, is spent either listening to podcasts or audiobooks. So a lot of my, I need to catch up on this, is spent while I'm working. So that'll play while I'm doing that. So in, ten, in terms of catching up on books, that's done through audiobooks. And it's usually done while I work. So I'm kind of multitasking at that point. In terms of video games, it's only something I've recently started getting back into. But I've found that my podcast time is quicker now. And that I can do a lot more with less time just through kind of smartly organizing how I do it that frees up some time for playing video games. Now, granted, I will never be on the cusp. I'll always be playing the game with Cyberpunk. Uh, I'll always be playing the game that was fashionable like a year ago. That's just how I play. I tend to generally tend to wait until things are all out and people have played them and raved about them and all the rest and then like that. Right, I'll take a punt on this. Um, In terms of films... Uh, there's a requirement for the show that I do to obviously be kept abreast of what is kind of modern and available, and I will check them out. It's more TV that I struggle with. Um, I, I really struggle to catch up with what is fairly, you know, highly ranked on TV. Certain shows won't make their way up there. For example, the finale, the final season of Sabrina dropped. Uh, I watched that as soon as it came out. Done out the way, done. Um, however, we only this week watched the second season of The Boys, so that's been out for a while. We've only just watched it, so I, I kind of have a weird way of we're about to catch up with the previous season of Better Call Saul, which I think came out about a year ago, and that's us finally getting around to that. However, there are certain things that move up the up the priority, and it tends to be who I'm watching it with. So I think it depends how your brain works. If you're someone that can adhere to scheduling very well, then schedule it out. Trust me, it will make a difference. I have a list of, so I think it's 42 TV shows that have been either recommended to me or I know that I should watch on a spreadsheet. And I'm picking them off systematically and working my way through them. Have been since last October. I think I've, I've picked off about 10, 10 or 11 TV shows. Um, and it's good from a reference point. I don't schedule it when I'm going to watch them, but it's good to have them listed there so I know when I'm sitting there with the, oh, what do I want to watch tonight? Well, I could go on Netflix and scroll through for an hour different things and then pick a movie that I have seen before because laziness. Um, it's good to have that list there. I can jump on, see it on screen and go, you know what? I'm going to start that series up and then go ahead and do it. And I feel better once I have done it. So if you work better with those systems and lists, then yes, I mean, you know yourself, your brain acclimates to that sort of style of of organization. You should be doing that. If you don't, don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. But what I would say is the next time you have a, you know, a free evening or whatever, instead of agonizing over things, just be daring. If you know there's a new TV show that everyone's talking about, just watch that just put on or if you know you've been putting off watching the new season of Shit's Creek you know whatever it is put that on you know like it, like it, it's incumbent on you to, to to make those decisions whether or not you schedule them uh, is difficult we're all completely different I, I can almost guarantee that how I approach things is different to how Bo approaches things however you will see that the ultimate 
end result of that is that when we approach things, we tend to approach them very similar. You know, we, like we, we have a similar sense of humour. We appreciate things a similar way. So it's about finding what works for you uh, and sticking to that and not being pressurised from outside sources to, to follow their paradigm because that'll never work. As soon as you have to put yourself completely your comfort zone to do something, you're not going to want to do it. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that. How do you? I've never asked you this before. How do are you a scheduler? Because I I don't necessarily fully schedule things out with stuff I have to prepare for shows. I, I'm fairly loosey goosey, but I do have lists of things that I want to do. How do you do things, Paul? Yeah, I go back and forth a little bit. I I think I think I agree most with with what you said about like mm. do the thing that works best for the way that your brain operates. Yeah, and I'm I'm one of those people like I'm in a constant state of. I need to organize more and dear God, I've over-organized my life and I want to be able to be more spontaneous and enjoy my decisions. Uh, and I, that's constantly the push pull of my brain is, yeah. is feeling like I don't want to, I don't want to structure my life so much that it becomes rigid and inflexible, but also not so loose that I let things fall between the cracks. Yeah. And, and when, like I said, you know, like there's, the podcast stuff there's the day job stuff there's some writing stuff on the side and then there's just real life stuff and that's a lot to kind of you know, a lot of balls to keep in the air mm -hmm. and um i like lists i'm a big list fan uh what I'll, I'll tell you what gets under my skin the thing that makes me most antsy and a little a little twingy and twitchy is feeling like i'm wasting time that yeah. that drives me crazy that does something to my brain that that makes me unpleasant to be around and uh so i but those lists kind of work in my favor because i use uh just watch is uh the website i use to kind of maintain a watch list of movies a great app yeah and so uh if, if i'm like oh i want to watch a movie but i don't know what i want to watch i just go to that watch list and pick something from there and i and i feel like that's doing a worthwhile thing um, gaming is, is something I, I kind of ebb and flow with it a little bit. Uh, I think as, as most people do where sometimes I have a lot more free time on my hands and, and can get in some gaming that, uh, I don't always have a chance to, like, I've really been in love with, uh, Yakuza like a dragon, mm -hmm. uh, I, and play, I actually stream some of that yesterday. We'll probably do that again later tonight. Um, that game is, it's one of those things like if I, if I have an opportunity to play that game for, you know, two or three or four hours, I will, um, that doesn't always happen, but I I'm enjoying that. I think I'm gaming more than I have been in a while, but I think that's also because like you, I found ways to like do this show in a way that doesn't require me to spend hours and hours and hours editing and 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 being able to manage that stuff and allow allow uh, you know the balance is what you're looking for right like i i'm scheduled to a point that allows me to be free and spontaneous and kind of do whatever the fuck i want mm -hmm. for this chunk of time or this evening or this day and then when it comes to how do i spend that free time that i've given myself that's where my lists and shit come in of like, well, all right, now that I've got some free time, how do I want to, how do I want to spend that free time? And then, you know, but also give yourself permission to fuck off completely 
and be like, you know what? I'm not going to do anything on those lists. I'm going to go read comic books today, or I'm going to go, I'm just going to go for a walk, or I'm going to read this book. And, you know, like it's, it's whatever makes you happy, man. Life is life. As Tom Waits once said, it's, uh, uh, brutish, uh, cold and, and short. And so, you know, live your life in a way that gives you the best opportunity to enjoy the things that you enjoy. And, and, and don't feel bad about that. Like if you enjoy movies and video games and books, don't feel bad that that's where you invest your time. Because yeah. if that's what's making you happy, that's what makes you happy and you should be happy. You, people deserve to be happy as it happens. Yeah. It's the, it's like the, it's like the classic Henry Rollins uh, quote where he says, there's no such thing as spare time uh, no such thing as free time. No such thing as downtime. All you've got is lifetime go. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you're in charge of your own schedule. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, I mean, you want just to make something happen, make it happen. You can make it happen. If you want to watch something or catch up with something, you will find the time to do it if you want. Right. And, and if you get to a point where you're, you start thinking, oh, I'm neglecting X. Well, then go do that thing. Like, yeah. like you don't, you don't have to answer to anybody but yourself ultimately in terms of how you're spending your time. Yeah. Uh, unless you're like married and have kids and are forgoing them in favor of like, you Why know, did you look at me when you said that bull runs. Though? Yeah. The fuck you guys. I'm watching jaws, the revenge again. <laughs> like, eh, yeah, maybe that's a problem, but yeah. you know, as long as like, again, that's the schedule yourself so that you get the shit that needs to be done, done. Yes. And then allow yourself those, you know, hours and days some and weeks sometimes sometimes you just mm -hmm. got to take a couple of weeks where you do whatever the fuck you want you know and and sometimes nothing at all like I, again allow yourself the permission to do absolutely nothing but just sit decompression and think. is a huge yeah. asset to like you like if you overwatch things you will not enjoy them as much as you will coming to them with a fresher mind or a fresher perspective so if you feel like all you like if you feel like it's a chore to watch the movie that you really want to watch then just don't watch it then yeah and most of the time your brain and body are good about letting you know when you're fucking oh, up yes. <laughs> like like you know your your brain will start telling like if, if you start obsessing over something mm -hmm. that's because there is something about that thing that is uh is is problematic and you know hey into each life some rain must fall so there are going to be bad things that you obsess over but if you're obsessing over like holy shit am i am i playing too many video games and not watching yeah. enough movies like first yeah. of all you're living a charmed life second of all <laughs> <laughs> right how do i keep these flies off the food that i have you know like that's a problem uh, uh what am i gonna do with all these millions right yeah listen <laughs> rockefeller but um yeah i mean just as long as you're having a good time it's time well spent yeah. uh for for your free time stuff for those kind of you know uh more uh sort of leisurely pursuits and yeah like i said just make sure you're getting the the real shit done uh make sure you you know i hate to use the term because i think it's fucking stupid but ma make sure you do the adulting stuff where like yeah. hey bills are getting paid my family responsibilities are met you know like i don't have any uh, fires on the lawn right now like all that stuff is covered and then yeah then just do whatever, yeah, whatever those, makes those, are, those are the those are the errors that you have to put in everything above that is 
is your value time yeah and yeah. how you how you value that time i.e spending it watching movies catching up with tv shows reading books playing computer games um that's that's on you yeah that's whatever you. combination is is the best for you yeah do that like other people like there are times i don't read for weeks at a time mm-hmm. and then i'll just find a book that i'm like oh i'm gonna read this in two days and that's all i do in my free time is read that book and yeah uh and that's just how i tend to do it and that's how i enjoy it and maybe it doesn't make sense to other people but you know what fuck them um (laughs) you know here's i'll I'll tell you fuck them and fuck you i love it uh one of the the best lines to ever appear in any song ever is uh from uh jimmy hendrix who said i'm the one who has to die when it's my turn to die Mm -hmm. and and that's that informs so much of my personal philosophy is like you know look if you're gonna die for me then you get to start making decisions about how I conduct myself in my life. But if when it comes my time to die, I'm the one who's who's got to punch that card, eh, then kind of go fuck yourself. I um, mean, it's, it's a great line. I would argue back a better line is, I did it all for the nookie. Uh, mm, so yeah fred durst famous lyrical poet uh, uh look one i believe we're <laughs> gonna take a break when we come back we'll break down all the lyrics of crazy town i think everyone will enjoy that <laughs> come my lady indeed um, uh, <laughs> god butterflies fucking terrible song it's got it's hot garbage it is what one of the worst songs of all time um so anyway folks we're gonna take a, a quick uh five minutes here uh, to go for, uh, freshen up, and Duncan's got to powder his nose, and then yeah. we'll be back. <laughs> you see it in such a way that I'm gonna like do drugs or something. That's what I meant, Duncan. But you know, <laughs> I'm gonna refresh my powder drink. his nose. Um, right. Well, the, the coke is what lets him drink so much. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then we'll be back to talk about Slasher season one, episode two, digging your grave with your teeth in your mouth. Yeah, um let's just put it this way just when you thought thought the the opening episode was dumb strap yourselves in ladies and gents we're gonna get a whole lot dumber in comes uh, like alcoholic chain smoking mom brenda to yeah, save who, the day <laughs> grandmother brenda oh my god oh that's of, right who's of the age of the mother right there's a whole lot of stuff we're going to yeah, have to break like, down we, family trees. We're going to have to yeah. do some genealogy here, but questions will be answered when we come back. And and not. A lot of questions are just going to go totally unanswered, and that's the way we like it around here. So, yeah, uh, uh, a couple of give us two and two, and we'll be right back. We are talking, Duncan, about episode uh, two of season one of Slasher, as, uh, as, as the Bible has prophesied. <laughs> Uh, this episode the year of our Lord <laughs> here, here in the year of our Lord 2021, <laughs> we come to you with the episode digging your grave with your teeth. Uh, it, this is, uh, directed by D- Craig David Wallace, written by Aaron Martin, who is the creator of the show. And, and as I like to think of it, the guy responsible, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, all we're saying is we're marking it down in our books and eventually we'll send the terminator back to kill his mother <laughs> yeah so that works isn't it are you sarah martin yes 
<laughs> that's a joke from years ago. Yes. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's, really like that. that's old school DBCC. <laughs> I, I'm here for your child. He is a slashing computer. Oh, yes. <laughs> so. It's still funny. It's yeah, still, it still well, works. Still I don't know if anyone else is laughing, but we are, and that's all that matters. Hey, look, as, as we discussed before with time management, we <laughs> care about ourselves here. This is, yeah. this, like, we look, there are a couple of things that we're going to be upfront about. One, you should be fucking. Two, <laughs> we are in this for our good time. Yes. Okay. So, uh, episode two of Slasher Begins. Like, we, we ended the last uh, episode after uh, Nosy Vera McBride, who I later learned was like a big Canadian comedian uh, and whatnot. Uh, but anyway, she was murdered. What, the actress or just the character? No, the, <laughs> the actress. Not Vera McBride. That's not her, like, the. yes, I went to the wiki of the show, Duncan. And it turns out there are a lot of things we don't know about Vera McBride. One, of course, uh, famous uh, like CBC comedian. Uh, mm -hmm. Also, uh, a gemologist. Who knew? Uh -huh. You know. There we go. <laughs> um, so we uh, we open on a couple who is taking the advice of Duncan Abo. Come correct. And well, are they? Are they? One of them is, but the other one isn't. Eh, she's heading that direction. This is all a lot of tomfoolery. Like. I would, I this would dude, put like, money on the This dude is not reading. This dude is not reading from the playbook of how to. In Scotland, we're very crass about these things, but he's not reading from the playbook of how to get your hole, um, which is what we call it in Scotland. What is God? Is that some cricket maneuver? What the fuck is uh, this? No, it just means having. It means putting your penis in <laughs> in the hole. I. That's uh, let's, <laughs> let's, <laughs> you guys are poets. Well, uh, I mean, the, the the what do they call it? The Great Enlightening started here. Uh, the you know the, the the Romantic era of literature started in this country. Apparently, it all went downhill from there, and we took the great prose of Sir William Scott to to just the baseline of getting your hole. Yeah, um, it's it's like threads. Only you didn't need the war. <laughs> Which is what the Scottish Tourist Board is using as a new slogan for Visit Scotland. It's um, like threads! <laughs> but uh, the, the guy here doesn't quite understand the... It's so much easier to have your partner agree to have sex with you without pretending you're going to rape and or kill her in the woods, which is apparently yes. his strategy and prank you. And it is like, there's a certain point where he plays it a bit, like the first initial bit, I'm like, yeah, that's kind of funny, right? She's not really digging it and all the rest. But then he doubles down on it. It's not that way where someone tells a joke that isn't funny, but then tries to expand out the unfunny punchline by making it less funny. And that's kind of, that's kind of what he does. Yeah, And it's kind of awful and cringy to watch. And I would say problematic ball the point where he says only one of us is leaving these woods <laughs> is the point where it's like man you took that too far <laughs> and like you know where it should end i'm gonna get you yeah like, that's only it only what like, only one of us can leave here because i believe that you are also immortal and one of us can make it to the quickening here we are <laughs> there can be only one you know, like, that's the only time you should ever use that sentence. 
Right, if you're a Highlander. If you're a Highlander, yeah, I think that's like, that's literally the only, every other excuse, including trying to cop a feel whilst being in the woods with your significant other, you know, it doesn't count. It's really, it's really kind of, like I was watching this going, well, both of them are going to die, but I was wrong, Bo, which will bring us to the second point I have of issue. There's a, there's a laundry list of things I have issues with in this episode. <laughs> like, it couldn't be, like, how you watch this more than once without, like, feeling the, feeling your face start to resemble a bit of, like, Forrest Whitaker eye, you know, where it just drops a little bit, is beyond me, because there are a few things in here that are incredibly, like, huh? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, so Duncan, uh, with our Lothario here, yes. uh, pretending to be Nicholson from The Shining, <laughs> here's how you fix it, according to Slasher, is when the mm-hmm. woman rightly is like, I'm leaving, you're being creepy. He just goes, I love you. That's literally oh. what he says. Oh, I love you. The... <laughs> and she falls for it. And yeah. I'm like, no, don't fall for that. That's yeah. bad. She's like, all right, you were a maniac moments ago, but I think I should probably fuck you now. I was feeding for my life, but guess what? I just got wet downstairs, so let's let's go for it. It's horrible. It's like his face as well when he says it is like it's that kind of way where he clearly understands that whatever he's done is completely backfired, so like comes out with a line that it's like that way where like a woman's like that, you know. You know, I'm pregnant, and the first word that come out of your mouth is like, "Let's get married." <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, well, that took you like all of half a second to think that that was the next logical step, <laughs> and you've never mentioned that marriage has never been on the table before until this very moment. It's just something not quite right about Bo. Yeah, and she falls for it, and so we cut to a scene of them getting a uh, hubba hubba in the woods. Yeah, doing what I like to call a versus. Uh, <laughs> but the thing is, well, both of them look like they're old enough to have their own house. So I don't know why we're doing this in the woods. Absolutely. Well, a public bathroom. Use the public. Like, <laughs> anywhere that isn't the fucking middle of nowhere. When we know, and even they acknowledge it in the sentence here, that there is a killer on the loose and a child is missing. Let's have sex in the woods. Yeah, I mean, you're making a lot of good points here. Slasher doesn't have any answers for you, Duncan. Yeah, but it's the the term danger wank to a whole new meaning. (laughs) It's it's supposed to be getting the fear of getting caught that exhilarates, not the fear of getting killed. Right. I can only come if there's like a a more than 30% chance I'm going to be murdered by someone (laughs) when I do it. A guy dressed in a giant black condom uh, yeah. to remind me to remind me that I should be wearing rubbers. Look, <laughs> it, first. I don't want to. I don't want to have to tell you how I learned I had this kink. <laughs> What's important is I've got it, and there's no getting rid of it. <laughs> so, so after they start disrobing in the woods, all dangerous, like. Yep. The shitty kid who got dragged into the woods in episode one pops out of the leaves like Jason Foreys out of the lake. He literally pulls a Jason. Yeah. Doesn't he? It's just a, <laughs> ah, like right at the camera. Ah. And, and then, you know, they scream credits for uh slasher. Uh, yep. And then. Right. This is where the, like, let's get into this here. Just the first couple of seconds of this. Like was like a cockroach on my brain, and that it, it irritated me 
and confuse me so fucking much, right? So, so well, what do we open with here? Tell me. Uh, you mean in terms of the the cold open we just had, or are you talking yeah, about so Katie? After, after that, we okay. have a main character, like yeah. Irish muck, not quite Irish, wakes up in her bed. Right, had a, had a horrible dream of purple horseshoes and blue diamonds. <laughs> and she wakes up hearing somebody just like banging on pipes or something. Yeah, pipes from Ghost Watches there banging. <laughs> oh, if only, if only there were a tenth of Ghost Watch in this. Um, and then she's like, Dylan, Dylan. And she goes after it. Turns out he's downstairs. And it turns out that somebody's nailing a for sale sign. Right. This is the first question, right? Uh huh. How, how much time has elapsed since the previous episode? A day? Because in that day, she has been, the, the neighbor has been buried. <laughs> Because he didn't attend. Yeah. <laughs> but she was a, and apparently no one else did either. But she has been buried. The house has been put up for sale. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't really make sense. Something like that. Well, a few days have passed. But this kid was beaten with a baseball bat. And left day, in the woods. But the day before the woman was killed. Yeah. Which means this kid's been in the woods for a week. <laughs> right. Like oh, hypothermia didn't play into this. Right, like, right. Like That's the thing. It's got to be like a matter of a day or two. Like, what's more logical that this kid survived laying under a bunch of leaves in the woods for a week? Dude, I was pulling a McLaughlin at the end of Twin Peaks and Returns. I'm like, what year is this? <laughs> yeah. Know what the fuck was going on? Because it just, it conflates time this quick. Like, like that. Oh, yeah, the house. And they even make comment they're like that. Well, that house went up for sale really quick. And I'm like, quicker than she was buried? <laughs> Yeah, like she, she is, she is a murder victim. We don't bury them quick. No, no, no. Like we goes through we friends, got, but, but we're seeing that. They both, got the gist of it, Duncan. They understand. <laughs> we can bury her. It's fine. There's a sentence in this episode where they, they, they basically say you went to visit the town serial killer, as if that's <laughs> like the town serial killer sits in a cage. <laughs> Not in a maximum security prison off-site. But I'm like, maybe that's just how they do things. There's no CSI department. Maybe it's just like, well, she died by deading. Like, so let's bury. I'm beginning to think that Waterbury is the fucking village. Where they don't go outside. They're a a God-fearing town that also, once again, we're jumping all over the place, but a God-fearing town that believe in pagan ceremonies of summer. Yeah. throw a big party. And I'm like, "Ah, that feels against... The odds of like fucking the Bond villain that leads the church with his fucking scarred out eye, which we still don't know how that happened. I mean, it's just it like it didn't equate all up. Like the kid come up the ground, and I was like, all oh, right, so he's he's still alive. Uh-huh. I would have thought he would have been dead after the let's be honest, the fucking beating he took at the hands of a very heavy baseball bat. Yeah, um, and now Mrs. McBride has been fucking buried. And no one attended her funeral, and the house is up for sale, and this is all like basically the next episode. So no one week later, no nothing. This to me is the this is the day after the night before. Yeah, right. And Dylan, meanwhile, is talking about his job, like, oh yeah, I gotta, you know, Allison's really on my back at work, and we're trying to wrap up this thing with this kid. Sarah completely checked out. Actually, is does Allison own the paper? 
like because we uh, this still two this episodes in no idea makes less sense than it did in the previous episode <laughs> yeah like I, she's like she's really raiding me to go and do the stuff and what that i thought she, but he says himself he's like that yeah allison asked me to attend the mcbride funeral but i used my delegation powers and sent someone else and i'm like so who are are you in charge or is she in charge or who's yeah who? <laughs> yeah yeah not a lot of answers here duncan don't no worry about it ball. More questions. More right. It's a very Twin Peaks in that way. Um, so, how dare you, son? How dare you? So, Sarah, <laughs> while Dylan's complaining about all this stuff, Sarah's like, "Yeah, yeah, shut up." <laughs> Listen, I'm gonna go talk to Robin, the 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 feller what sold us this place, mm. and uh, so she takes off. And then Dylan says, oh, there's uh, an, uh, uh, like, you can't obsess over this shit because, hey, the, everywhere you go, somebody's been murdered there. Like, hey, there's an apartment we had. They, uh, you know, there were three murders that occurred in that neighborhood in a year. And yeah. it just happens. It don't mean nothing. But we've only just moved in. And the person that murdered this woman feel, felt very much linked to my family who were murdered in the house we're in. Dressed say, like the same guy. The costume is what does it. I'm just I'm just saying that maybe this isn't a, well, someone died in this apartment 50 years ago and now we've just bought it. I'm saying that maybe things are fresher and worthy of examining. Thank you very much, Mr. Reporter Man, who should be more skeptical than me. Right. Being yeah. A reporter. yeah comes from the uh just the surface school of journalism yeah whatever like you don't it, you only need one source just one source headlines that's that's his whole job is to write the headlines for the articles He's, he Doesn't works for content, buzzfeed just the headlines just the pithy headlines you know like uh... yeah so uh he's like yeah, yeah yeah a lot of this down one that mira mcbride dead who gives a shit and uh, long list of suspects, uh, Dylan says. Like, hey, well, it seems like it'd be a hard problem, so why bother? Let's not try. <laughs> yeah. and, and and so she's got to go talk to Robin about the about going into the McBride house. She wants to take a tour of it. Uh, I just want to take a look around inside, you she know. specifically wants to know how much this house is selling for, which, to be honest, is, is the perfectly... Like, they try and guise it un, under some sort of, you know murder cloak but to be honest if i like if one of my neighbors is sell like whenever i see a for sale sign go up in the street that i'm in which surprisingly has happened quite a lot since we moved into this house completely unrelated to the fact that i've moved into this property completely unrelated but uh, a few houses for sale in this very small street that i live in which is like 30 properties in the middle of nowhere but yeah a lot of people are selling up um as soon as that for sale sign goes up i'm like that I'm going on the website. I'm finding out how the house looks and how much they're selling it for. Like yeah. that's no, that's just general nosiness. The fact that he's trying to talk her out of that—that's the most natural thing. Is how much is I've just bought my house? How much? Like how much did I pay for it? How much is that fucking house going for? Right. Because I was in it and it looked like shit. <laughs> like, so I want if it's more expensive than this one, I want to know why. Or if we paid well above the odds, I want to know why. I'm going to find out. It's all a bit woolly, bo. And so Dylan is just like, baby, I'm worried about you. And they start making out a little bit. Which and, is his answer to everything in the show. Yeah. It's just like, oh, baby, come on. Give me some sugar. That's, 
that's kind of the Dylan move. And uh, the doorbell rings. Yep. And he opens up the door to the best character on this show so far. Yeah. Which is uh, Brenda, <laughs> uh, Sarah's grandmother. Sarah's grandmother, who looks maybe 35 years older than Sarah. Right. She's a very uh, a very attractive grandma. She's a guilt. <laughs> yeah. And... <laughs> Which, I mean, if this show can pivot in such a way that we can work out how this happens, that'll be fine. But I'll tell you after watching the next episode, they don't, Bo. <laughs> so, right. And so this is her mother's mother, the one who died, yes. uh, who also grew up in Waterbury. Mm -hmm. And she shows up and immediately is like, Sarah, what are you doing here? <laughs> you gotta get out of here. This is no place for you. And... <laughs> She's and, and Dylan, by the way, is just like, oh fuck, Brenda's here. Because oh. there's a whole there's a whole history off screen that we haven't seen, which sounds yeah. like the show that I wish I was watching instead of this. Yeah, there's one scene in the in this episode where they kind of have it a little bit, mm -hmm. but yeah, there's it, clearly there's some bad blood going on here. And yeah. Dylan gets a phone call uh, about like this kid what woke up in the woods after mm -hmm. a day or a week. Who knows? Who knows? And it was a flat circle bull. Yeah, and he's like, uh, "Yeah, Allison at the paper said they found this kid only mostly dead." Yes, mostly dead. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. we yeah. can still hook him up to the machine, and uh, so I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, and he's, he's mostly dead at night, mostly. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> mostly and so sarah uh, cruises through town and finds robin who is being given a hard time uh from some dude in a flannel shirt um and it's uh, about so, I, I believe his his surname is herring and his first name is red ah gotcha <laughs> i you know what i didn't even think about him being a suspect for what happens in this episode until you just said that he, i was like totally i totally forgot about this well, he's You're me, right. You better do this, and you better do this, and or else. And I was like, mm, mm. Uh, right. So, <laughs> yeah, he's given he's given Robin a hard time. Sarah shows up and is like, "Oi, what's going on here? You know, if there's fighting to be done, I want a part of it." Oi, toy, oi, toy. I've had me, I've had me a couple of drinks. I'm ready to fight you, fella. <laughs> Because I'm Irish. She did the old yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I'll give you a little Jack Johnson. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> and uh, the the beflannel dude gets in his truck and just kind of slowly cruises by and gives her the stink eye a little bit. He does that. Like, it's one of those slow kind of turns where he's like. Mm. Right. It's like the Luigi stare from that Mario Kart game, you know? <laughs> Uh, that's a, sorry, that is the most nerdy reference of the show. <laughs> Probably, it's early. Um, so, anyway, so a, a, after he drives by, Robin, uh, is like, don't even worry about it, this town is nothing but weirdos, uh, there's somebody over here, weirdly, who only eats white things. Yeah, it gives them the, the lowdown on their weird, weird town. Bet yeah. you're glad that you bought a property here of me, apparently, and that shop also maybe from me. And and Sarah is like, 
but what about me? Ain't I a weird one? <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 no. You're not weird. Weird shit happens to you. Yeah. And so that makes you not weird. And so they go into her empty gallery to paint, I think. Maybe. <laughs> right, because he's got some swatches and stuff, but whatever. And then he's like... Uh, oh, they, they, lean, they lean right into the the kind of the gay stereotype here in that he can tell directly from the color on the wall what the swatch is and what right. number is. Yeah. It, like, this is not Queer Eye from the Straight Guy, you know what I mean? Like, what what the fuck are we doing here? He's like, oh, what's this, number 35 Azure? I'm like, fuck off, Slasher. You've not, you've not merited this comment. Right. So stop. Just behave. Behave. Yes, just right. Like, just have him be a guy like Justin, or uh, it's just right. It's a little too. I'm fabulous. It's, it's offensively it, camp. Yeah, in a way which doesn't really like later on doesn't equate the same way. But he's he like we mentioned this before. He's he's a kind of like openly gay man, but slightly a closet anarchist. A little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he really likes kind of setting up things which will create a bit of drama so you can obviously gossip about it later on Mo. um he's a messy bitch is that what you're saying <laughs> he's, a busy, he's a messy bitch and she's a basic bitch right and together they are team bitch right mm-hmm. uh, and you know that's a show that i want to see uh, i want to see that buddy cop I don't, drama mm-hmm. he sells houses she sells paintings together yes. they are it's Buddy fabulous Mitch. and Irish on the USA Network. <laughs> fabulous and Irish. <laughs> but so it, toy to toy, you know what I mean? But that uh, I almost lost my headphones on that one. Um, <laughs> let's, let's green, let's green light that motherfucker. <laughs> right, we're, hey, get Moorhead and Benson on the phone. We got their next project. <laughs> fabulous and Irish. They're detectives. And and uh, fashion police, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> solving crimes, the, doing fights, and fashion police who solve murders. All right, d- uh, we got to cut this short. I got to go put together a series bible real quick. I think uh, I think we got something. Still. Yeah, this might be the last episode of DBCC. Expect big things from us on yeah some future American network. Uh, Keep an eye on Netflix for <laughs> Fabulous and Irish, <laughs> produced by Morehead and Benson, showrunners Duncan and Bo. Oh, oh, so oh, dear. anyway, she's like, "Hey, how much for the house? The one the murder happened in," and. Yep. He's like, look, I don't, I don't mean to burst your bubble here. That shit's never gonna sell. <laughs> yeah, neither is yours. Right. So just stay there. And I'm like, that is like, you know, you're in a bad position when a realtor tells you that now is not the time to sell. <laughs> you basically make commission of selling your house, and he's saying don't sell. So yeah. That's how you know you're fucked, Bo. By the way, Abraham Ram saying Duncan and Bo get fabulous is what you call that, and. Oh, yeah. I that feels like a, a different season. I don't know what Duncan and Bo get fabulous is, but I don't know the show we're doing. A RuPaul's Drag Race, maybe. <laughs> a- absolutely fabulous. Oh, I'm doing absolutely fabulous. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I do, I do love that song. Uh, but yeah, so he's like, "Look, you're stuck. You're fucked." And and then uh, he's like, "Like you said, like just sit on your place." And then eventually, this whole thing will blow over, and then he fucks off. But not bef- be- before he gives her this invitation to the big Waterbury Fall Festival thing that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, which is basically a pagan festival for summer. Right, but he's like, don't even worry. It's not even a pagan festival. It's just us, you know, building a fire. And there's probably going to be a lot of fucking and drinking. <laughs> but it's not like a pagan festival. Someone is put into a giant wicker structure and set on fire <laughs> with animals. But it's okay, the executioner will not murder anyone for another year. We lure someone of authority to Waterbury every fall. And it, it might be it might be Chad the detective, by the way, who is nice but dim all the way through this fucking show. It's probably gonna be Dylan. Dylan, like <laughs> you know, at least Sarah has the benefit of being from there, so she's one of them. But Dylan is fucked. Like, he's going to wake up with a bee helmet on. Not the bees! Not the bees! Is Sarah the catalyst? Is that what we're saying? Like, yeah. Sarah was sent out into the real world to lure him out. Is this Midsummer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, so t- Tim Horton, no, uh, Morton, Tim whatever. Morton. What, <laughs> Whatever the the killer's name is, like he would be Christopher <laughs> Lee. He would be Lord Summerhill. Yeah. Oh, they, I, this is all coming together, Duncan. It's all right in itself. <laughs> um, I think we figured this season out. So, <laughs> anyway, yeah, he's like, uh, so you should come to this uh, fall bacchanal that we're gonna have, mm-hmm. and so he takes off, and then some sad music starts playing. And Sarah's like unpacking some art, and she starts cleaning the windows. Uh, and she's getting really into a kind of it's almost like a cleaning montage. It so totally it's time to set this shop up. Yeah, in like forty five minutes, she stencils the door, mm-hmm. uh, which says Waterbury Arts, uh, a Sarah Bennett Gallery. Yep, and then uh, is hanging paintings and stuff everywhere. Like it takes her no time to open for business. Oh, she's like, like I, I, at this point, I'm like, that. Why is it taking this long to get this far? If it only takes her forty five minutes to get this far, right? And, and the time it takes for them to discover a body in the woods, she has her <laughs> gallery set up, and then this crazy lady wanders in, but who we've seen before. Yeah, is a Heather is her name, yes. and uh. She she starts going through the mail on her counter, and she's like, let me see this mail. This isn't your mail. It's mine. Look, it says right here. Waterbury drugs. You see this? And then she starts looking around. She's like, ugh. That cash register used to be over here. Yep. And then she looks at this door frame where you see like her initials carved in with some dude named benny and there's just all kinds of like it's just a crazy person spouting crazy shit yeah and then she turns around and she goes you think i'm gonna let you and a bunch of homos take everything away from us and you're like whoa yeah out of nowhere out of nowhere homophobia dropped like that and and but to her credit sarah is like now you really gotta go. You're not gonna be talking to my friends like that. Not while I'm a, a good American here. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then Heather, like, she's like, fine, I'll go. 
but she kind of you know looks a little sly and she goes around the corner yep. and just spits on the window of this she joint pulls the girl. yeah she's like, just give me my fucking phone call <laughs> like she's <laughs> yeah out of nowhere out of nowhere just a, like a big old spit right on the window that's just been cleaned and stenciled and look i'm not i'm not crazy about the homophobia of this scene but as far as characters on this show go now we got something and so in collecting all this mail that heather has spilled after her crazy outburst like she comes in like a tornado and leaves the same way uh just chaos in her wake and sarah finds this sealed package uh that she opens up like you do and inside is a little card with a message on it and a finger fucking finger right and then cut to a day or a minute later when the police are in the art gallery (laughs) also like like can we just see can we just like spend a bit of time to talk about how amazing the chief of police is in this show he He could be up there amongst one of my favorite characters ever because he's like he's how i feel like see on-screen police never really behave like i feel police actually behave this guy does. What is, is that? Like, is this like our this Brimley is, for the season? I can't. Oh, he's totally the Brimley. <laughs> oh, no. Wasn't it you gone now? <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, he is. She, he's just so fed up with everything, especially Sarah, who he has talked <laughs> to for all of two seconds and is just immediately like, well, I've had just about enough, goddammit. <laughs> up, until, up until her moving back, no one died. No one went missing and no fingers were received in the mail. She's been back for however long it's been. Time is a flat circle. And there's a dead body. There's a fucking missing kid that's been found beaten half to death. And there's a finger being <laughs> sent through the mail. I'd be well for Brimley in this. I'd be like, oh, you what? You think I'm not doing enough? I'll tell you. Or you think there's like some sinister thing happening here? Or you think there's some executioner back doing stuff? Well, let me tell you, little lady. I'm the motherfucking he's the yeah. Brimley in training day. I'm the motherfucking Paul Roof. Yeah, God damn it. right. And and I like the correct. Ain't got shit on me. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you ever done PCP? God damn it. I never done no PCP. You did. Yeah, just now you smoked it. You're about to take a trip. God damn it. Oh, someone needs to do one of those deep fake cuts where they superimpose Brimley's face over <laughs> over Denzel Washington and make that happen. But, yeah, but I, I like the fact that he corrects her on the point when she's like, oh, sure to be there's a serial killer on the loose. Yeah. And he's just like, well, wait, wait, hang on one goddamn minute. <laughs> now, he's only killed one person that we know of, and yep. one body does not a serial killer make, goddammit. And I'm like that, police police detective one, Sarah zero. Right. And then Sarah's like, what about that crazy woman, Heather? She came in here throwing newspapers around and whatnot. And uh, then he, uh, she has this note, which is Isaiah 219, which mm-hmm. Duncan, I'm led to believe, is from the Bible. I, I mean, I like when it says it was like that. Like, well, the the killer's given his name away. He's put it at the top, <laughs> right? And his address. <laughs> and and Isaiah two nineteen for the uninformed like myself uh, says, 
and they shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty when he ariseth to shake terribly the earth. And Sarah's like, what about these numbers on the back then? Huh? How about you tell me about them if you're so smart, Mr. Cop? <laughs> and, and the cop is just like, look, I never went to no church, goddammit, but I, I don't know nothing about that note. I'll tell you what it is. It's a goddamn smokescreen is what it is. Somebody is using your your return to this town to to knock off Vernon McBride because well, she was laundry list of enemies. Like uh, everyone, like no one attended her. <laughs> I'd be questioning the people that attended her funeral. And there's like chances are the killers there just to make sure she did die and get buried. Yeah, right. And <laughs> Vernon was a terrible person. We all agree. <laughs> she she was asking for it. And, and so that night, Sarah is contemplating the num- the numbers on the back of this card alone in the dark at her gallery. Of course she is. <laughs> and she's is she, right. <laughs> this seems like the most dangerous place to be. <laughs> There's a killer on the list. I've just been sent a finger. Let me sit in this gallery, which is a open plan shop with wall-to-wall windows. <laughs> What's well, up? Just on me, so everyone can see from in the mouth that I am there alone with nothing but a flimsy lock saving me from certain death. Yeah. This is the perfect time to solve this mystery. She's a fucking idiot of a character, honestly. I oh, asked myself, American Sarah, where would you be if you could be anywhere to be as safe as possible? What about a place that would be an absolute disaster? If anyone even wanted to toss a rock to come in, how about that? Huh? You could just throw a rock right through any of these windows. Anyway, so uh, Sarah is struck by inspiration or something and starts painting. Yes. And we cut back and forth for a minute between her painting and Robin who is at his office, his real estate office. Yeah. And he's FaceTiming with some dude on, on like a gay hookup site. Yeah. And Justin texts him and it's like, oh, well, God I, damn it. Oh, I can can't. Can I just say something about this like gay hookup thing? He calls him, he calls the guy Mr. Big and then starts to unzip. He's like, you got a big thing for me. He starts unzipping his pants to put his hands down. And then the camera pans around and the guy is just sitting topless. And the view, no penis. And what that if that's what gets this guy off, like a nipple. <laughs> like, oh, you've got like you've way, got an Audi, don't you? The, the, the way his side of the conversation is going, this guy has got like like he's swinging his like seven and a half inch dick, maybe even bigger, maybe ten ball. Do you think Let's he's just check. like mm, do you know anybody with puffy nipples? <laughs> like, it's like the way like the way he is reacting. To what we don't see on the screen is if he's seeing some real hardcore filthy shit, and then the camera like shows us what he is seeing, and it's like essentially not too dissimilar minus the top than what you're sitting looking at me right now, Bo. And I like to think that your hand is not on your penis. I can't guarantee it, but yep, I'm just I agree to disagree. Then <laughs> when in Rome, <laughs> uh, but there's I don't, I don't think that applies here. 
Um, <laughs> so, it, yeah, it's right. It's real dumb. Like it is. It is Canadian hot. You know. It's, it's oh, Canadian hey, hot. you're you're a big one, eh? Huh? Those pectorals of yours. You're a you're a sharp looking guy. Hey, 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 how much ice fishing do you do? Huh? When, when do you get out on the lake? What do you what do you what are you fishing with? What are you dro- what kind of line are you dropping in that water, huh? He's, he's he's hands down his pants and he's two seconds away from the first stroke, which is always the best stroke because you know you're in for the long haul of that first stroke. And um that's when the power goes out. But I want to just say just now the power does not go out to his laptop and he does not lose internet connection. And Bo, I'm telling you right now, there could be an atomic war started out the back of my house. Mm. If I'm one stroke in to having a wank, I'm not stopping. <laughs> as long as as long as the material is still there and I can see it, I'm powering through. So the, the idea is well, after. L- let me go ahead and and, uh, and pop this balloon, and then let's see what's going on with the power. Yeah. I All mean, right. I, I, you know what? I, you're not um, wrong. Yeah. What man? What self-respecting man? goes oh no we're just gonna have to put a pin in this till i go and solve this electricity <laughs> issue which is not affecting the material i'm about to use to bash one out <laughs> i mean <laughs> i i gotta tell you duncan i make the best decisions and am most effective at peak horniness when i am <laughs> when i'm like two strokes away from being done that is when i'm thinking clearest yeah, like, like cut to him, like fucking the the fuse box trying to make right. it work. I mean, what the fuck can we do? Just begging it, work. <laughs> make he's laptop like, go with, with, a, with a, a visual gag that well, he's like with this with the cable. Oh, this this will fix it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this motion here uh, for listeners. Like, Duncan was making a masturbatory motion with his hands. <laughs> fucking sense at all but he's like that you know let's put a, let's put a pin on this random stranger who i might be paying i don't know by the minute by the hour for this service let's put a pin in this well i go like not to fix a fuse box within my shop which is by the way where the fuse box would be let me walk out and around the building up around the back of the building to where the fuse box actually is right just so this darth condom can show up behind me with his assassin's creed knives he's got two fucking knives and i swear to god he robocops them (laughs) and then robin sees this and starts banging on the door like help (laughs) like an assassin is trying to kill me from the games. Oh, Assassin's God. Creed. My, my dick is hard, and there's a man trying to kill me. Yeah, I'm a man is here to stab me, and not in the way that my my rock hard penis would suggest. Not the good stab, the bad stab with two knives, not a one penis. That's what I was rolling the dice for. We're going to get to this as well later on as to why this whole scene is fucking stupid, right? Like, absolutely stupid when played out on the overall modus operandi of the killer. Yeah. But he basically is cornered, and this guy goes to fucking, like, condom man goes to town with these knives. I mean, there's a whole (laughs) fucking slash, 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 of which... You know, like he ends up with a couple of 
couple of nicks on the old wrists, but he's not that bad. And what I love about this is there's a guy that opens, like, works obviously in a kitchen or a butcher's or something, opens the steel door at the back, grabs him, pulls him in, closes the door, and we can hear the killer continue to pound against the steel door. He's like, he's not getting through that. And we're like, oh, he's just been saved just in the nick of time. Or has he? Tell you, well, the show later on will try and put forward to you that this bow might not be as we think it is, which is fucking stupid. Right, as as Tim Horton will tell you later. <laughs> try, have you ever tried my Timbit donuts? Hey, uh, did you get a double-double or what? Are you going to try one of those? Oh, boy, they're good. Um, <laughs> get... Anyway, I'll I'll try to quit calling him Tim Horton, like but I don't remember his name. Tim Hortons. Thanks very much, Bo. You're Ryan. very welcome. Um, so Robin gets up at, at the at the hospital, uh, and and Justin is there waiting, and uh, or Robin goes to the hospital. Justin's there waiting, uh, and Sarah comes in with some kind of like sorrow fern that she's brought along. I don't know what the fuck this plan is. Like, you know, oh, I got you a poinsettia. You know, like, what? It's only useful in the month of December, but there you go. It's poison oak. Enjoy. And so she she says, uh, I feel bad for what happened to your gay friend here. Did you know that Heather was in saying all kinds of stuff about gay fellas? Yeah, and Justin's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a lot of enemies because, like, when we moved here, we bought up half the town. Turns out that pissed a lot of people off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think it's Heather. She's crazy but harmless. Yeah. And Sarah's like, I don't know. That spit could have been acid. She could be an alien. <laughs> and <laughs> then Robin wakes up, and Sarah's like, Let me get out of here. And then she beats it, and Justin and Robin can, you know, be together. And so she goes back to uh, Tim Winston, not Tim Horton, and yeah. and is like, uh, listen, sure, sure, that Vera McPride, she was making all kinds of sins, but what sin did poor Robin ever commit? <laughs> and he's like, uh, <laughs> well, hello, <laughs> hello, Santa. <laughs> did, did this killer of yours, did he leave you any clues <laughs> this shy boy <laughs> yeah this shy boy um and she's like yeah he left this note and i, I looked up the numbers they don't mean a thing i was this about is, to throw is, it out this is the ultimate spit in the face of anyone in law enforcement or anyone with common sense because tim very quickly when she reads the numbers out very quickly goes that doesn't sound like bible verses it sounds like Geographic coordinates. coordinates, yeah. And I'm like, obviously. <laughs> right. Obviously. Why did no one, including Mr. Mr. Policeman, uh, although Mr. Policeman was pissed off from the start because people were trying to tell him how to do his job. You don't do that to a policeman, bro. Um, don't fucking do it. it uh, Sarah immediately is like, you don't say. I didn't know geography had coordinates. Hang on, there's an app for that. And... <laughs> She's like that. I'm gonna go, and then we get a, a theory which I think we may hypothesize. On the, did we did we openly hypothesize in the last episode that we think that Tim might be the dad? Yes, Sarah. you you my, you yeah. propose that, and I think you're totally right because because he's like that. Don't go yourself, right? He's like 
<laughs> you can't go alone, Sarah. You need to bring backup. And <laughs> listen, like, let me ask you something, Sarah. When you're alone in the woods, are you afraid? Uh, but she says, "Does your dad stink of laying them?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're not more than one generation from poor white killing trash. Are you saying you're me dad? I'm not. Not saying I'm your father, Sarah. Uh, anyway, That's but- right. I will use a double negative, Sarah. Yeah, but he's totally like, don't go, daughter. I mean, Sarah. <laughs> I mean, Sarah. See if he's not proved to be that, that is going to be the worst thing. Like, I've now, like, I've firmly planted that Sarah's dad is either this serial killer or mole people. Yes. Keep it in the line with DBCC. It's either mole people or him. Mole people, mole people. <laughs> Look <laughs> like mole, taste like people. <laughs> And, and and Sarah gives him a full like you're not a boss of me, and then takes off. <laughs> He's like, "You're not my real dad." Well, maybe you are. We'll wait yeah. a couple episodes. Well, who do you think you are? My father, my father who held me in his arms, who who cut me from the belly of my whore mom. <laughs> um, and so Brenda, meanwhile, <laughs> decides to liven up the episode by finding Dylan on the street, giving him what for. Oh, Brenda is just like she is this this episode wrecking ball. I love it. Like every every scene with her in it feels like an outtake from the Kardashians. Like <laughs> where she says something really like she drops a pipe bomb, then walks off. Uh, which once again, this episode continues the theme of we're gonna have a conversation and this scene will only finish when I leave the scene. <laughs> when I walk away and get in my car and then drive away. Yeah, it's like the hot housewives of uh, Waterbury. Uh, but British, like when she finds Dylan, she's like, "Hey, I don't think Sarah is safe here. And this place ain't classy, right? Why don't you take her home with? Let her come home with me, huh? Huh? Sarah, Sarah needs to come home, but she won't do it if you won't give her permission. Yeah. And he's like, I don't think you've met Sarah. Because I don't give her permission to do shit. She is an equal, I don't, I don't think you met Sarah, Sarah's grandmother, who presumably raised her all these years. Right, and he gives a real, like, you know, Sarah's not mine to allow to do anything, Brenda. Yeah. Good talk, yeah. though, he says all shitty. And then he pushes his bike away, and to her credit, Brenda says, yeah, nice bike, princess. It's such a put down. It's such. It's the perfect. <laughs> it's yeah. It's a real like. There is a whippersnapper vibe to it that I really oh. respect. Oh man, it's so good, so good. So cut to Sarah, wisely going to the middle of nowhere in the woods. Yeah, let me let me just go myself to the coordinates that the killer sent me. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing bad will happen here. And and sure enough, she finds a cave, which yep. reminds her of the Isaiah uh, quote. And she gets inside and immediately trips and falls down uh, inside this little cave. Yep. And there she... There's all these booby traps and finds the lost treasure of One-Eyed Willie. Yeah. She, she, yeah, she's like... <laughs> oh, hi, toy. There you are, Willie. 
happy ancestors sailed on those same seas. Um, so <laughs> she finds this corpse and cut to uh, the sheriff Wilford Brimley. <laughs> just running her up one side on down the other boat. What in the hell were you doing out here alone? Huh? Well, just <laughs> what in the fuck did you think you were doing? What in the fuck? It literally just had a scene before where I have said to you, I don't believe the theory of the serial killer. I don't believe in any of this nonsense. All I know is someone killed someone and is trying to pass it off as the killer of your parents decades before and there's a kid being beaten half to death which we can't link to this yet and there's a fucking finger and you thought it'd be a good idea to fucking just walk up here and also why the fuck how how did you know to come up here and sarah maybe inadvertently spills information which i mean at the point that she announces this information bo she ain't getting to see this guy again oh right a hundred percent and dylan the season is over yeah, and, and Dylan is like, uh, yeah, hi, Dylan Waterbury Press. Uh, yep. Who is it in that cave in there? And yep. the sheriff's like, look, God damn it, it's a crime scene. I want both of you to leave. She tells them that she has been chatting to, to our, our killer, Tim, or Tom, whatever yeah. we're calling him. And he's like that. He's like, oh, so you, you've been in, like listening and trusting the words of the local town serial killer. Right. It's just like, <laughs> who are you going to trust? Me, the goddamn sheriff, or the guy who killed your goddamn parents? Which was, again, oh. just put it in perspective how ridiculous the premise is that we have this serial killer locked, apparently himself, maybe the only prisoner. And the I think, jail for decades. I think he's like Otis the drunk. I think he lets himself in and out of there. <laughs> it it, honestly, it's laughably like nonsensical to the point where I'm like, how is any? Right, I understand one or two small details slipping through when you're writing a TV show. That's natural. There's like people like lose their focus, maybe focus on the main story, the mystery, and but to to like misplace like, to make things so implausible consistently through a show is a fucking art that slasher is supremely confident at doing. Like, yeah, it's it's unbelievable. That it, and the line that line comes out of that sheriff's mouth, and no one in the writing rooms like that. Actually, this is kind of fucking silly. I yeah, I, I think this guy's onto something. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with the police. It's like the one writer is a staff group of writers, and there's one writer who's rebelling against everyone that keeps saying this doesn't feel right. But he gets to write the only lines in the show that he gets to write is the sheriff's lines. Right. <laughs> it's all fucking stupid. Hey, come on, goddammit. How about it if something makes sense? Uh, oh. And, and oh. then Cam, our deputy, Deputy Dewey, shows up. Yeah, yeah Deputy Dewey McHunky. Yeah, and he's like, uh, Sheriff, can I s- speak privately? And he's like, please, get me away from these maniacs. And, and uh, then Sarah is just like, Oh, you can say it in front of all of us. It's Peter McBride in that cave, ain't it? Yeah. And you're like, well, I guess, sure. 
Uh, I mean, that was our theory from the last episode was that... Yeah, that he, he went missing. Yeah, I mean, he you, died, what, yeah. You, you, this kind of felt like a soft serve. You did set up for us. We knocked him back. I mean, come on. <laughs> we did. Yeah, and so speaking of the Waterbury Press, though, Duncan, we cut over where Allison is rallying the troops and is like, you know, we got to get this video, but the cops have all of that stuff in evidence, like the sex tape from... Uh, uh, Sarah's uh, mom and and Peter McBride, <laughs> and then Don't Allison Dylan's dead mother in law's sex tape out there, <laughs> right? And and Allison is like laying out this theory, like, well, Vera McBride killed her husband when she found out he was spending all his nights with uh, the you know uh, uh, Sarah's mom and dad, mm-hmm. and Dylan is like. All right, everybody, all you reporters, what she said. Go gather all the information you can about Vera's circle of friends and anybody she knew in her life. And uh, I, I I still don't understand yet again. Like, now, who is in charge here? Is he subordinate to Allison? I have no idea. Right, so he's the editor, isn't he? He said he, he was the editor-in-chief. Right, so maybe she owns the paper. I guess... I really I wish somebody that, on this show would tell me. But there's also that thing where the owner, like Rupert Murdoch, isn't sitting in, you know, like dictating to the, well, maybe it is, I don't know, like to the editor-in-chief of his newspapers telling them what to do. That's what you employ, you, you delegate it to your ed- Your editor ultimately has final say over what, sh- what, you know, articles, what news stories, whatever makes the paper. It, it makes zero sense, and the longer it goes on, like unquantified, the more frustrating it gets from my perspective. Because I don't know what the deal is here. Also, I I don't like Dylan as a character. I think Dylan is Dylan tries to he talks a good game, but to be to be frank about it, none of his actions at all on this show. Like I, I'm two steps away from putting down my cards and thinking that Dylan's the the killer. I've thought that too, just because he doesn't do shit else on this show. He doesn't do anything. Yeah. He, like he doesn't seem to be bothered by anything, and he downplays everything. And I'm at that stage now where I'm like, you know, like this early in the show, I'm like that. He's my front runner, like for killer, uh, just by just by the very nature of they've returned. The murders have started again. He was aware of the kid causing trouble, so he beat the shit out of the kid. He interacted with Vera, didn't like her, he's fucking taking care of her. He's interacted with other characters in this show thus far. All all the characters that he has interacted with, he hasn't exactly gotten on with, have all died thus far. Yeah. So that's the way I'm kind of leaning. But I, I just don't I, I don't get the I don't get it, it makes it makes little to no sense to me. Um, and like I say, the further it goes on, the more frustrating it gets, from my opinion. Also, want to stress all all the story that we have went through, and it feels like there's a lot, there's a lot of bullshit. We've went through a ton of bullshit. We are an episode and a half into the show already. Yeah, that's how much time has passed. And it's you know this person did this, but in the back this, and then so and so had this, and then there's a videotape, and there's a body in a cave, 
and the neighbour next door's been murdered and this kid's been half beaten to death with a baseball bat and the grandmother's shown up and the gay couple's owe the house and there's a guy who's wanting another house. All this stuff has happened in basically what is like an hour and 20 minutes of TV. Mm -hmm. Like this is what Slasher does and I think it does it to its credit even though it is a bad TV show. Is it just like that? More info. More info. It's yeah. It's the old joke about uh, the the couple on the cruise line and saying, "Oh my god, this food is terrible!" And yeah, mm-hmm. such small portions. Like yeah. <laughs> this is terrible, but the portions are giant, and that's kind of what makes it great. Is there's always something stupid happening. There's literally a guy. It's like it is like trying to power a steam engine, and it's just a shoveling like more coal on the fire constantly like can't let the show slow down um, yeah and they don't there is no dim time in anything that we've seen no- thus far all like, right when a scene finishes you're on to the next bit of drama speaking of mm-hmm. let's cut over to a uh, fan favorite uh brenda by which i mean my favorite yeah and she's brenda. just apparently duncan according to this scene is just hanging out outside of a building smoking, just yep. having a little Brenda time. She She's two steps away from being like a greaser. <laughs> she's got the leather jacket on. He, get she, out of here. Right, she's just straight up loitering in this scene. <laughs> and then she looks over and sees somebody coming at her, and she's just like, oh, Christ. And then... Someone who is, by the way, a childhood friend who looks 20 years older than she does. Right. Which I would uh, be happy to be around people my age who look 20 years older at this point. I'm just like, look at, th- look at this broken down son of a bitch. I look amazing <laughs> in comparison. And so Brenda is just like, uh, Christ. Hi, Sonya. Nice to see ya. You're looking real classy. Yeah. And uh, it turns out Sonya is the wife of the mayor. Hmm. And she's uh, she's like, oh, Brenda, how long are you staying with Rachel? And Brenda is like, what? What, what did you just did you say, say to me? You motherfucker, you. <laughs> you. You motherfucker. You no, just. You motherfucker, you. And she's like, Rachel is the dead one. How many times do I have to tell you that? I'm staying with Sarah, the one who sounds like she's from Dublin. Do I amuse you? Do I look like a fucking clown? <laughs> <laughs> it's just sometimes what you say, it's kind of funny. What? Uh, what did I say that made me sound fucking funny? Uh, you know, tell, me, it, tell me what I said that made me sound fucking funny. But yeah, she's like, look, uh, that's the dead one, you old hag. <laughs> and she, the best part of this scene for me is when Brenda's like, it was good to see you. I need to get back and maybe, you know we'll see each other again or probably not. And she turns and leaves and Sonia is like, nice to see you and gives her a smile. Yeah. But then, uh, as she leaves and her backs to her, Sonia gives her this look like maybe calling Sarah by her dead mother's name. Wasn't an accident. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's just her being real like, Arr? Um, I think I think I, I think the kids call that being sassy, bro. Yeah, I really liked it. And sassy Sonia strikes again. <laughs> that's I think one of my favorite Beatles songs, uh, Sassy Sonia. <laughs> sassy Sonia. Uh oh, Sassy Sonia. What have you done? You know that one. 
Um, so we Sarah, a yellow submarine. I don't know. We, Sergeant Pepper. I don't know. We all live in a yellow waterberry. <laughs> I can, I can do it. Uh, but Sarah goes home where Brenda is packing her shit up and is like, I am out of here. She has had enough. You're right. She's been here for a morning. Right. Or that's the time works in Waterbury. We don't know how long she's been there. We're assuming a morning. It's like that interstellar planet, like where one second is eight hours kind of thing. And so Sarah is like, what happened? Did you and Dylan have a fight? And she's like, look, let's just say he made it clear I am not wanted here. And Sarah is like, but I want you here. Fuck Dylan. And Brenda's like, look, maybe this whole thing was a bad idea. Being back here in Waterbury, being back in this house. And Sarah is like, hey, speaking of this house, how come you never told me about the movies that I found here? Which, I mean, this is the wrong part. Like, your your grandmother is about to leave because she thinks it's a bad idea coming back, and now you're going to spring on secret sex tapes? Right, like, this is <laughs> exit stage left, even. Like, as soon as you bring up the parent sex tape, like, I can't get to my car quick enough. Yeah, this is... <laughs> It's like, like so as you're looking at Sarah going, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. I'm going into a tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> You're, you're breaking up. It's like the worst thing to raise is, and what's interesting about this one is we get a perspective from Brenda, which is that, and I don't know how much we should hold to this, that the sex tapes were not Sarah's mother's idea. Rather, Mo, and like we've seen the video evidence, we know this, I'm going to struggle with this one, rather that the husband put upon his wife to do this. <gasps> You and don't say. Like, she's like that, and then Sarah's like, well, that's not how it looked like when I watched it. <laughs> like, my mom looked like she was getting down. Yeah. <laughs> and and also, she's like, how did you even find those tapes? Yeah. And Sarah's like, oh, I went to that guy, Tom Winston. He's yeah. the only one that's been telling me the truth. And Brenda's like, you, uh, mean, <laughs> you mean the guy who murdered your mother? That's the guy? <laughs> The one, let me tell you what he did, all right? He came into this house, he took a machete, and he drove it so far into your mother's face, the tip of it buried behind her head in the floor. That's yeah. the guy you're getting your, your good information from. Oy Yeah. And she's like, that's the truth. That man is a monster. And I'm like this, I'm hashtag Team Brenda on this one. Yeah. Why the fuck are you going to see your obvious father, but your your mother and father's murderer, and listening to anything he fucking says as he sits in his, apparently, prison in the local town. The one so he's fun. let himself into for the weekend. <laughs> it's at this stage there where, like, literally, are the police even telling like Tim that she's here to see them or is that just his cell? Is his cell a library room with a kind of feels like yes, yes, it's, uh, this this room here doesn't have a view but it does have endless books of literature <laughs> and the internet. It's it's just internet a room in his apartment, you know, it's when <laughs> when we meet we shall meet in the cage room. Only there shall I talk to you, Sarah. 
Only there will you hear truths. It's so bad. It's so... Anyway, we leave that scene uh, where Justin is getting Robin uh, a a new iPad, a new tablet... And he's like, I even downloaded all your favorite TV shows while you're here in the hospital. And uh, I, I can cancel my whole day. And Robin is like, no, no. The fallback canal is far too important. Yep, we, we, we must go on. Where we burn locals to celebrate the god of right. something. We've done so much work. Dylan has been prepared. He's been groomed for this. He is our fool. <laughs> yes, he's right. Uh, Ingrid Pitt is, is even now putting on the bear costume. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, uh, he, he's like, look, don't feel guilty about this. Robin says, um, you weren't with me to be protected. I, you know, I was doing my Omegle masturbation, uh, not your fault. And so Justin's like, all right, I'm going to take off and go do this party thing and where we murdered Dylan. And then Cam is standing at the guard at the end of the bed uh at the end of robin's bed Mm -hmm. and there's a gag here about like hey how much do you bench cam because they were kind of joking about that earlier and whatnot and uh cam as all always played for kind of a doofus possibly the killer because again you're looking for who is the least likely suspect and it's that's how this works right so for me it's either cam or dylan right now yeah it will not like when we get to the end of it the making sense of it won't really make sense but it'll be enough to satisfy your viewing right you like because nobody's gonna go back and watch it again yep. you know um <laughs> yeah. like wait i think <laughs> some things fell apart idea. right like yeah there there isn't like remember that scene in episode one when i did this yeah maybe you did i can't remember i'll just accept it <laughs> i like the idea that just by like seo or whatever that like some slasher super fan finds this mm-hmm. and is like they're making fun of that show i like how <laughs> dare they do an entire why why would these two people devote so much time to making fun of a television show they don't even really like that's and i will stupid. say that we ask ourselves the same question it's yet here we are listener yeah here we are it's a great question but anyway so back to to tom winston who is now talking with Reverend Allen, the dude who, way back in the day, during the night of the murder, he cut his face. Yeah. And he's now become the Reverend. It's Cam's dad. And he's talking to him about, like, con- God converting souls and all this business. And then there's... <laughs> Just Winston. everyone can visit the serial killer. Apparently. Yeah. Just, like, he has an open-door policy. As he's not one of these ones that's just waiting for a pen pal to phone him or whatever like that. There's just like an endless stream. He has an appointment book. Well, you have to book in to see this guy. <laughs> yes, Sarah, I'd like to give you another clue to the identity of the murderer, but frankly, I'm all booked up. Um, <laughs> y- how are you for Thursday? <laughs> I have the church in between three and four. I have a Manny Petty booked in between four and five. That's a little me time, s- Sarah. I won't give it up for you or anyone. <laughs> spiritual hearing is between five and six and then between seven and eight in my last appointment today i lead the charge and book club which this week we're reading the outsider by stephen king quite good sarah <laughs> you should read it St- i was gonna see steven seagal and then <laughs> and then you backed away like a coward 
<laughs> I backed away because I thought The Outsider is a book by Stephen King and Steven Seagal is nowhere near fit enough, and I mean fit enough, to be in the movie or TV adaptation of The Outsider, although I would love to see it. Where's that red bubble again? Uh, <laughs> all right, so... So t- Tim Winston then is like, Alan, let me ask you something. Does your scar hurt? <laughs> and Alan's like, no, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't, Dr. Lester. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Tim. Sometimes it reminds me of the center I was. And, and he's like, yes, the center you were. And and then uh, Reverend Allen starts breaking down, crying. He's like, "I can't, I can't do this. I'm too weak. I'm too weak." And Tim Woods is like, "You can do it, and you must. Now fly away, fly, fly away, <laughs> fly, 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 fly." fly. <laughs> so, cut back to Robin, who's who's watching a uh, reality TV on his tablet while Cam is standing guard. Uh, Justin gives him a jingle from the party. Um, and Robin's like, everything's fine. I'm, I took a couple of pills and everything's good. I'm just here with the sexy sheriff. Yep. And Cam and I are going to watch some TV and you have fun. <laughs> and it just, it's like, all right, well you, you take care, get some rest and I'll talk to you later. And he hangs up and immediately. And, and also, and also like just behave with what you're doing in front of that please officer. yes like because he he might be uncomfortable with your sexual advances right it, like don't don't make cam let the killer near you because you're you're being gross yeah don't resist arrest is what we're saying right and and so as soon as they hang up justin does a little toot before the party Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh, well, time to get, <laughs> speaking of putting on the bear costume, that's what I call doing cocaine. Um, well, what, what was he, he snorting there, Bo? A little, a little toot, a little booger sugar, a little clean burning propane. Yes. Um, Fucking yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Old skill. So, um, anyway, Robin is like, Cam, sit down. I'm going to introduce you to this hot housewife housewife show, yeah, and he's like, he's like, "She's a bitch." She, yeah, she's a bitch. It's a, she's no, it's sluts. She's she's the young slut. She's an older slut, but a bigger slut. And this yeah. is the queen slut. Yeah, it's the all queen slut. And I was like, "This is a weird version of aliens that I want to see." I'm like, well, she's queen slut. Get away <laughs> from her, you slut. <laughs> always wondered what that second mouth was for but now no, you know really yeah, right it's ribbed for his pleasure <laughs> so uh, if you thought this show was gonna get better because it's on video oh no oh no um so anyway Sarah and Dylan show up to this fall back and all because obviously he's the guest of honor and everybody's kind of gossiping about like how lucky Justin and Robin are this big house and how nice it is. And, uh, one of the, the like neighbor friends or whatever, this young woman is like, Oh, they got it for a steal. 
mm-hmm. you know, kind of implying that maybe there was some shady shit that went down. And then Justin is like, yeah, 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 everybody shut up about that. It's time for a toast. And uh, I just want to say Robin is on the mend, but he wishes he could be here. Uh, everybody remember that our guest of honor, wink, wink, um, <laughs> needs to drink all the honey mead, wink, wink, wink. And, uh, so he gives a big toast, uh, to Robin, um, everybody joins in and then we cut to a completely useless scene where Robin and Cam are sorting out like all the, which hot housewives that they like and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Cause Cam's into it now. Oh, Cam's 100. He's like, she is a slut and she is right. an older slut and she's the queen slut. It, and she divorced who and she's married to who and I can't believe she did this for who and I'm like that they've been watching this for five minutes but once again time is a flat circle right <laughs> yeah but he's seen two seasons now mm-hmm. and so <laughs> uh, then the power goes out yet again because hey if it worked it earlier in the episode it's gotta work again yeah the killer's gonna use exactly the same technique again i don't i don't dislike that like hey use it till it doesn't work you know yeah i just think the whole well, once again this is not the egregious part the egregious part is the bit that's about to come up yes 100 percent. so the the emergency lights come on cam pulls a gun and goes hunting around the hospital where he almost shoots a lady doctor mm-hmm. and then somebody appears beside robin's bed and you can yes. kind of see their outline through the the uh, curtains and whatnot, and it and Robin is like, "Holy shit, I'm about to buy it!" Like here, the killer has found yeah, me again. Shouting at this guy about three or four times, and this guy doesn't respond once. Right, right. Most importantly, he's just like, "Stay away, stranger! Like, yeah. get away from me, you potential murderer!" And the guy <laughs> get away says, from me, you bitch. <laughs> yeah, get away from her, you slut. <laughs> Um, and then Cam shows up to tackle this dude and then the power comes back on and it's just a guy who was bringing flowers. Uh, yeah, at this hour he's delivering flowers. Couldn't answer when there was cries of panic behind the curtain to say flower man. <laughs> right. And directly, by, uh, directly to the hospital room instead of the desk and right. Yeah, like a lot of problems that, with like, it. I see, like, I see, once again, not the most egregious issue here. Also worth pointing out, Robin, not in a room, just in like one of those emergency room scenarios where... Yeah, how is that secure? Right. Like, we'll have a cop stand at the edge of the bed. He'll be safe. It's... Oh, man. It's so stupid. So, they're they're like, what the fuck are you doing here, flower guy? And he's like, oh, no, here's a card. And it's it's addressed to Robin, and it says, my condolences on your loss. And Robin is like, condolences? What do I have that I would need condolences for if I lost <laughs> it? Slapping my face, screaming at the TV. No, no, no. Yeah. And so Cam gets on, on the horn, his, his walkie, and is like, Chief, Justin is the real target. Robin's fine. It was all a setup. And yeah. the, the, this the, is the this is the the hand on the underground porthole of a not Penny's book. And lost. Yeah, you're like, oh, <laughs> what? It's oh, it's just so dumb. What? Because well, I'm thinking about this, right? To set this up, that Justin is actually the target, right? Mm-hmm. To understand that everything the killer did up until this point was planned, which right? Doesn't make any sense. 
Right. You, you had to you had to make sure that this fat guy came out of the restaurant at the yeah. right time to rest. Like that's the, the real he, problem. Yeah, he wasn't holding back when he was slicing. Yeah. And so you, know, it, you wouldn't back him into a corner where he couldn't get out. You would make it obvious that he could get out, but make it difficult for him to get out in order for this to work. It yeah. doesn't fucking work. It's it, stupid. Right. It's, it's utter nonsense. Fucking, yeah. Absolute tosh. So. <laughs> absolute tosh. Yes. And so the, then the chief is like, what? Oh, God damn it, Justin, get down here. And before Justin c- can say, like, I'm totally fine, he immediately starts foaming at the mouth and then convulsing. He starts getting the bishop from Aliens. Yeah. All the, al- all the aliens in Robocop in this episode, by the way, starts going, Wah. Yeah, he starts spitting up blood and, yeah. He's like, not bad for a human. And and he's bleeding out his eyes and shit and and Sarah's right there and she's like what can we do for you and he's yeah. just like eck and it dies she's she's the one that says call an ambulance and the police guys just hanging over him the chief Brim, right. brimley brimley has not called an ambulance cuz brimley called it as soon as the phone started coming out i'm calling it goddamn <laughs> right time of death well uh, hang on, give it a I'm minute. I'm not dead yet. Time of death. God damn it. I feel happy. I feel happy. Uh, you're not fooling anybody, god damn it. You were coughing up blood last night. Monty Python with a Wilford Brimley as a member would be amazing. <laughs> Albatross, god damn it. Albatross, god damn it. He's uncredited sixth member of the Python trip. Right. Love it. <laughs> I'm the knight who says knee, goddammit. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> I'll always look on the goddamn bright side of life. Goddammit. That's what I say. <laughs> so anyway, all the cops show up at Heather's house because... Uh, and well, the thought being like she had something against him and she was a chemist. I Right, I guess. A pharmacist, and, sorry. So the, all the cops like creep upstairs like it, it's fucking seven, uh, yeah, moving like, through the house. Well, uh, you know they're a bunch got of booby trapped or something, right? They're like those uh, uh, pine air fresheners dangling from the ceiling and stuff. <laughs> Trent Reznor's playing, and they get upstairs to this like dead kid's bedroom where Heather yeah. is all holed up, and they just rush in and grab her, and she's just like, no. No! <laughs> they just grab her and she freaks and cries and stuff. It's kind of like, it's one of the most terrifying things that happens in the whole show. Because it's mm-hmm. just like, oh, this is someone with mental health problems being terrorized by authorities. Yep. Uh, so then we cut back to Sarah, who is talking to our serial killer dad again. Yep. <laughs> and complaining of like, boy, this killer's just way too smart for us. Everything, every time we think he zigs, he zags on us. <laughs> and and he's just like, yes, yes, he is quite the smart one. But we can we can do this together, Sarah. Let's mm-hmm. think about this. What was the, uh, like, how was uh, 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 Justin, how was he murdered? And she's like, sure, he was poisoned. But poison wasn't a punishment for a biblical sin. Yeah, and, for, for gluttony, it's it's not the you know or Sumi's gluttonous, and that's not the the way gluttonous people die. They're stuffed with 
was it rats and toads? Rats, toads, and snakes. And he yeah. says, so, Sarah, how is it that we first begin to poison? <laughs> and she's like, you're right. We covered the poison around us, Dr. Lecter. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, there, there was rat poison. That's what he was killed with. Just like eating rats, only poison. Yeah, which, I mean, this is stupid. Yeah, I mean, that's a stretch at it's best. like as the biggest stretch from what to do, and we're yeah. only two episodes in. There's, like, there's more QAnon shit that makes sense than this. And <laughs> Like, the goalposts have been pushed out so far, like, in this second episode, that if you don't score more, then I'm going to say that you have issues. And so, as, as they uncover this, uh, he says, listen, Sarah, there is so much more to uncover in this town. People mm-hmm. here lie all the time. Everyone, it seems, would have a secret, as if there were a television series, and we needed to pad out a, a few more episodes. <laughs> yeah. And then, as he says this, we cut to what is the final shot of this episode. Yep. Which is this girl on a bridge, seemingly in the 50s. Yeah, with a cinder block. Right, and just pushes this cinder block off a bridge, on and theoretically onto this car. We hear screams and the, the, the screeching of metal and whatnot from this old car, and credits. Mm-hmm. And there endeth episode two of, uh, of Slasher season one. And Duncan, uh, like, here are my takeaways. I'll just go ahead and get this out of the way. First of Mm -hmm. all, Jesus Christ, we went almost three hours again. Second (laughs) of all, um, the the problem with this show continues to be that what it thinks, when it thinks it's being sneaky, it's being incredibly obvious. Yeah. And when it thinks it's being obvious, it's being stupid and not filling in the, the, the gaps that it needs to. Yeah, when it's when it thinks it's being sneaky, it's like what I try and sound like going to my bed drunk and be quiet. When I'm just banging it and everything, lights are being switched on, and then I fall asleep face down, and the whole household's awake and things are broken. Yeah. It's not it's not subtle. And I, I agree with you, the obvious stuff is bogged down with too much detail, which isn't great but it's not the right detail either yeah it's not it's not substantial detail it's just stuff right like i know weird shit about vera mcbride and Mm -hmm. and her like oh none of the neighbors liked her and shit like that i still don't know who the fuck allison works for or if she owns the paper or whatever and i still don't like all right so does this sheriff how long has he been around does he Mm -hmm. know like is he familiar with the original executioner case he's talked about it but i don't know if he was there or like there are so many things about the show that could kind of work and and the show seems to go out of its way to make sure that they don't and it's really both frustrating and hilarious and perfect oh yeah yeah it's it's a it's a never ending sea of things that frustrate and make me laugh if you know what I mean like as I've yet uh, and it gets worse like I've watched the next episode and it just gets it just gets more silly there's a there's a scene Perfect. in the next episode that we'll talk about that will I mean when we get down to it it's just maybe up there amongst one of the most stupid kills I've ever seen in anything um it, it physically doesn't make sense but we'll get to it <laughs> So I think 
Um, all right. So I because you've seen the next episode, I think we'll forgo predictions this round. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, but let's let's conclude with uh, maybe maybe just this thought. I think this is unhilarious show, and every episode yeah. I'm like, you know, this isn't good, but it's really entertaining. Oh, it's trashy entertaining. You know what I mean? That we where it reminds me weirdly. Interestingly enough, it's called it's obviously called slasher, and you would think of you would, like when you hear that, you think of the best qualities of a slasher. This to me is the trashiness of those slashers that came in the post scream world mm -hmm. given a tv show so i think things like urban legend to an extent this is like urban yeah. legend to in a tv show so it's like it's like the lesser lesser slasher but they've, 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 they've instead of making this a nice one hour and 20 minutes bow <laughs> nice and taut and get out of there they've decided you know what this needs multi-episodes <laughs> right yeah i i know what you did last season <laughs> yeah and it really it really is that that level and um there's a part of me that really pines for that you know i mean i, I enjoy like particularly bad uh slasher movies where i can see all the mechanisms i can predict the killer really quickly um and then we've jumped into this season and it, it's just the volume of it is oh I, I i can't imagine anyone ever saying without winking at you first that this is something worth watching yeah, I think it comes with a lot of, like, asterisks. Yeah, when I stand on your foot, nod and wink at you, like, yeah. and tell you this is a good show, you will realize this is a good show. You yeah. know, it's that sort of level. Um, and yeah, it's not great. It's not great. It is infinitely entertaining, though. Uh, I mean, genuinely. But it's entertaining for all the reasons that I imagine the showrunners didn't want to come out of it. So I think what they were expecting was something, maybe along the lines of an American horror story, and what they've landed is something which is not that. It's Canadian horror story. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, so uh, first of all, folks, thanks very much for, for hanging out with us and watching the show, if you did, uh, and listening to the show, uh, if you if you uh, took it in that way. If you're listening and want to watch, obviously, you can go to legionpodcasts.com uh and find the links there you can also go to youtube.com forward slash legion podcasts and uh twitch.tv uh forward slash legion podcasts and subscribe there and and see the schedule and all that fun stuff uh so that's all out of me duncan if people for some strange reason wanted to find you and maybe even after this very show where could they do such a thing uh, yeah, so if they want to, if they're watching a live stream, I'm about to jump over to Twitch and play some more Until Dawn, which is twitch.tv slash teaputzcast. Um, if you want to listen to more podcast stuff from me, I'm about to start a brand new series looking at the Forgotten Jolly Box sets from Vinegar Syndrome. So we'll be doing The Police Are Blundering in the Dark from 1976. That drops on Monday. On Tuesday, you get that review of PG as well as my interview with the director. So check that out. Ton of fun in a movie worth your time for sure. And everything can be found on tputzcast.com. Excellent. Uh, with that, there is nothing left to say, but Duncan, say goodnight. Say goodnight. Da. I, I screwed it up and you still did it right. I did it right. I always did it right, though. Well, let's not get crazy. Professional. Yeah.
Don't know why that. Stop the stream. Stop the stream. These are lies. Kill the stream, boy. No, stop it. Done. No. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs>